so it's still not COVID. I want to make that abundantly clear. And I know you're going to be like, Glenn, are you really coming in here with a different story every Monday? Well, yes. I I might sound okay through the microphone, but I don't sound good in general. And that's because I took the kids to Hershey Park on Saturday. And I spent most of the day doing this. Boys! I, 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 won't, I won't waste any more of... Um, what I got, whatever it is that I have. Are you um, big, a big roller coaster guy? I actually am. I love roller coasters, Me but too, this yeah. was this was uh, this was sort of like a reconciliation. Uh, unfortunately, because our five year old could not come on the cruise with us, we agreed that we would um, we were going to flip flop, and I was going to have a day with the five year old, and my my wife was going to have a day with the seven year old. And then I talked to the five-year-old about wanting to go to Hershey Park because he's been telling me that he wants to go to Hershey Park for forever. Then the seven-year-old found out that we were talking about going to Hershey Park. And then the five and the seven-year-old got into cahoots and were like, well, we want to go together. We want to don't want to do more days separate. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. So the whole family, which was not cheap, not cheap. And by the way, we spent nine hours waiting in line. Was it busy? Was it busiest day i've ever yeah. seen at hershey park those weekends uh yeah I, and i know better I, I did a whole segment on this in the radio show yesterday i know better i just th- this was about checking a box like i made a promise to the boys we got to check the box and they don't know any better to them like this is how days at hershey park go like wow what a great what a great day they had um but yes there was a lot of yelling you know like with that big of crowds like you can't get two inches away from me if you get two inches away from me we got a problem because the crowd's that big. You just don't know, right? So there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of, when we were standing in line, they would, like, go lay on the ground. Like, get, there was just a lot of yelling, and it took a toll. And then I did a radio show yesterday, not thinking about the toll. And in the middle of the radio show, I'm like, ooh, hey, that's back. That's fun. And then, because I'm an idiot, and again, I, I have no respect for the instrument, I didn't, you know, lozenge up or drink any hot tea or anything along those lines so here i am hoping to survive another day but uh, good to have you with us on a monday edition of glenn clark radio today's show brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel hey how we do uh let's see the Manny nunez prop that one hit she uh, right. won a decision was, right so we, we, you should have got that I, at plus 270 i went nine and four <clears> in the parlay that's not gonna work well griffin it's a parlay well you gotta go 13 and 0 it should be implied to you know bet yeah. everything that, that's not not the way it works it was it was a tough card to bet on because uh, it was all the favorites pretty much won. So it, mm. it was a tough uh, tough card to pick props on as well. So I mean I was I was in the green, but yeah. But again, it, when you play a parlay, yeah, you throw a dollar on it. Come on, I understand, <laughs> but it's still a parlay. It's got to hit. But uh, the good news for Griffin is uh, we put his uh, his role as uh, MMA uh, doctor. Well, what do we we uh, analyst or whatever we want to call it? We put his role at stake on that uh, Nunez bet, and yep. so okay, so I, he does get to I keep, survive. He does get to keep that role. The best place for every big event is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Man, I keep trying to tell you, football season just a few weeks away, and Labor Day weekend is week one of college football season. Week zero stinks, but week one is amazing. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oregon, Florida, Utah, so many big games. Maryland's playing a game. (laughs) Let's go. It's not big. That's, I can't. Is that the Buffalo one? That. Yeah. yeah um, but they're playing. You can do your fantasy football draft in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel and bet on all of the college football games that are going on throughout the day. 
The words you're looking for are no-brainer. And if you heard our buddy Leon Twyman last week on uh, Simply the Bets, they've got new um, pad technology that's going to allow you to bet from your seat in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You don't even have to get up to walk to the 61 self-service kiosk. I mean, they'll still be there if you choose to, but why would you? You can do it from your seat. Of course, those kiosks are open 24-7, so no matter what you're betting, you can use them in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, this morning, uh, the Hall of Famer, Tim Kirkchen, is going to join us. We will talk to him about his weekend in Cooperstown. We will also, of course, talk about the Orioles. Bummer of a weekend for the birds. Speaking of the Orioles, we'll imagine that'll come up with our buddy Casey Stern. You remember Casey from uh, TBS and MLB Network Radio um, had some you know tumultuous things going on in his personal life and had to step aside from his broadcasting career. And he's got a new podcast with the Believe Network. It's called Unfiltered. Be good to catch up with Casey Stern, and we'll get his thoughts on what it is the Orioles should do over the next thirty hours before the trade deadline. Um, later on in the program, we're going to go to Cleveland. We will catch up with Nick Wilson. He is a talk show host for 92.3 The Fan. Obviously, some big news out of Cleveland this morning in relation, or I guess it's not out of Cleveland, but in relation to Cleveland, uh, for Deshaun Watson. And it's been a long time, but we are scheduled to uh, catch up with our buddy Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan as well. So, yeah, two big things to cover. That's, of course, the Orioles dropping two out of three in Cincinnati. I don't have to say it's a bummer. Um, they didn't lose a lot of ground. There's still three games back in the wild card race. But the bummer about this is that you looked at this stretch and said, my God, the Reds, Rangers, Pirates, you should really be making some hay here. If you're playing 500-ish ball against AL East teams, and that's understandable, you're going to need to make hay somewhere else in order to overcome. You still have to get back into this thing if you're going to be a playoff team. So, yes, it's a road series, but this presented that opportunity against a middling team, a team that's not good. And, sure, they lost the series ultimately by one run yesterday, but they still lost the series. And that's a bummer, and there's no way of getting around it. And some of the reminders about what this team is, again, they don't really have it. They don't really have enough pitching. We've got to have a Dean Kramer conversation. Kyle Bradish looked shaky to start, but, you know, settled down. Well, I think it's pretty clear Kyle Bradish is going to get more opportunities. But Dean Kramer, does he deserve more opportunities? Yeah, he got off to a, a good start to the season, but so did Bruce Zimmerman. Like, do you just keep throwing him out there because you got no better options? Well, you might have to. But that's the reality. You don't have enough pitching. It's not – there isn't enough pitching. And then, you know, a day like yesterday – and even on Friday, before the bats finally came alive late, it's a reminder that you don't really have enough offense either. And this is a bottom third offense in Major League Baseball. Even if you say, hey, they're a team that comes from behind, they're a team that, that thrives late, that's all true. But all nine innings count, and you're still a bottom third offense. What they do is they have a good bullpen and they steal bases. Those are good things. I like those things. But this is why it's always been so unlikely and why the conversations are awkward about how you handle the decisions between now and 4 p.m. tomorrow. I mean, you're still very much in it. And I have kept saying, like, maybe there is a world in which you do consider acquiring 
as long as it's also something that fits into your plan long term. There's no world in which you're acquiring, again, a rental piece. That's insane. I'd be surprised by that. I've maintained that. I don't expect them to do that, but I'd listen. I'd listen on Pablo Lopez. I'd listen on Jose Urquidy, on anyone who's got at least a couple more years of team control beyond this year. Look, I'm also in favor of them paying some of these guys and keeping them around beyond that, but it's a conversation for a different day. Right now, I'd be listening on another pitcher, but you know, I might be listening on another bat too, and that's sort of the problem with you remember last week, Stan and I were talking about Ken Rosenthal's proposal of, like, maybe you move Cedric Mullins in order to get Urquidy. Well, like, can you afford to lose a bat from this lineup right now? You don't have enough to begin with. You sure as hell don't have Aaron Judge. It's so funny. Like, He's, Aaron Judge is, what is it, 42, 43? I believe so, 42? yeah, because he hit another one yesterday. So. 43. 43, right? That's the number? Yeah, I think so. 43 home runs. The Orioles don't have anyone with 20. It's crazy. It's just crazy. It was, it was Santander was his nineteenth yesterday. Forty two. Right? Forty two for forty two for yes. Judge. And Santander was is nineteen now that after that one yesterday. Right. Yeah, he's in the teens. Nuts. It's nuts. Um it's tough because I, I'm not waving the white flag just because they lost two out of three in Cincinnati. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying it's over. They did just take three out of four from the Rays earlier this week. It's a bummer that lost two of three, but it was a a bigger testament to the uphill battle that they face given the reality of what their roster looks like. They have overperformed any reasonable expectation. <clears throat> that doesn't mean I'm I'm bailing. It doesn't mean suddenly I'm saying, all right, got to get rid of Trey. I mean, I'm not saying any of those things. Just being realistic about it. This weekend was a reminder of just how little they have. They do go to Dallas for three, or Arlington for three, starting tonight, as uh, Spencer Watkins will be on the mound for the opener against John Gray and the Rangers at 8 o'clock. And the Deshaun Watson thing, of course, is the other story. As the the independent arbiter decides on a six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. I assume that's based on some amount of precedent. Like it's been pointed out, hey, Ben Roethlisberger's suspension was six games. So there's an amount of precedent that's involved in making a decision like this. The NFLPA, of course, finds six games to be a massive victory considering the public perception of Deshaun Watson. There wasn't anything better they could have hoped for than six games. So they say, well, we're not going to appeal this because they also know the other side of it. And they don't want the NFL to appeal it because the rule is that the appeal goes to the commissioner. So, you know, of course the NFLPA doesn't want it to be appealed. Um, what should the NFL do? The Players Association wants them to respect the ruling. This was an independent process. Someone who viewed all of the evidence and, you know, just, just trust the process. Hashtag trust the process. New thing they came up with. What does the NFL do? Well, the outrage from their fan base would say, hey, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you'd recognize it and say, yeah, we're going to have to appeal this. Is that fair to the player? I don't know that answer. I really don't. I get it. Nobody likes Deshaun Watson. And he seems like 
a creep. Like someone who is not worthy of this opportunity. It seems like he is a serial sexual assault artist. And because of that, I wouldn't want him to be my quarterback. Because of that, I don't respect anything about his right to play in the NFL. I've said a million times. Human beings can earn second chances, but those second chances don't always have to come as professional football players. And I also get that we have a legal procedure in this country, and he was able to settle all of these complaints, and because of that, there's no charges against him. I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I don't. Admittedly, I don't know what to do with that. It's very uncomfortable. I've talked about this before with my level of discomfort in discussing Terrell Suggs. It's uncomfortable for me. I don't know what to do. It felt like the easiest way to make a strong statement and yet still acknowledge the fact that like someone is kind of innocent until proven guilty was to make this a lengthy suspension. To make this a year-long suspension and say, look, you can come back, but we are making a hell of a statement. And somebody will say, well, wow, he's already lost a year. He's got to lose another entire year. Well, yeah, that would seem to be the least. And you thought at least like a, a hefty fine was going to come down? They didn't yeah, that's, know that's fine. That's weird. Again, I don't, I don't know, understand the rules of precedent right. and, and how that – I just don't know enough about that. It's 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 very easy for me, like everyone else, to say, this is bogus. And I know that where a lot of us are taking the low-hanging fruit of Calvin Ridley's suspension, I'm not I'm not getting involved. I don't care about Calvin Ridley's suspension in terms of what Deshaun Watson should get. The two are unrelated. I understand the look for the NFL, I also understand that football players know beyond a shadow of a doubt you don't bet on football. So I don't feel bad for Calvin Ridley. I don't. I have never, ever, all of these creeps that keep trying to say, well, the NFL is advertising the product and the players can't participate. Yes. That's not hard. I don't know why we're pretending like this is difficult. The rule is you can't bet on football because there can be even no even slight sign that there is the possibility of corruption within this league. You have to know, whatever you do, you cannot bet on football. So Deshaun Watson and Calvin Ridley, I, I'm, not, I'm not engaging. It's brainless. But I have no problem discussing the actual Deshaun Watson problem. And for the league, how poorly, again, it reflects on them and how seriously they take domestic violence, sexual assault, topics of that nature. And for them, it seems as though it's abundantly clear they have to appeal because they have to make a stronger statement than just a minimal suspension, obviously that would have him back for week seven in the game against the Baltimore Ravens. I don't care about that either. I, I don't think they have a choice. I think they have to because I think they need to listen to their fan base. Now, apparently there's an option for Roger Goodell to turn the appeal over to someone else, and 
Maybe that's the most fair thing that he could do. But at the same time, I get why Roger Goodell might say I have a personal investment that I need this suspension to be longer than six games. And protecting the shield, if you will. Is it fair? I don't have the answer to that. I don't. But I have no sympathy for Deshaun Watson either. So that's where I am. All right, I want to take a break to serve as a palate cleanser. We're going to go to Cleveland. We'll talk to Nick Wilson. It's very awkward there. It's very awkward, like Browns fans celebrating. and It's just everything about this is very weird. I can't imagine what it's like to do radio there right now. Um, when we come back in, we will um, we will chat with the great Tim Kirkchen. He's going to join us next. Hall of Famer. And we'll get some thoughts on what the Orioles should do. That's on the way. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man. the champ drew mcintyre oh thank you for having me the great ron simmons Damn. keith lee appreciate you guys having me man bill goldberg my pleasure charlotte thank you so much for having me mick foley is with us this is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion! Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one 
Any hoodle. Take it away, boys. All right, back in here on GCR, a Monday edition of the show. Also brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where, oh, I need to share a picture. I uh, I tried the opener on Friday. I had a meeting over at Glory Days, and whew, that uh, flash-fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, it's so insane. The summer menu will not last forever at Glory Days Grill, so get over, try that. Try the lobster roll with the grilled corn, the lobster and crab fries. The South Carolina barbecue chicken, it's all available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to get your order in. It is always an honor for this man to take some time for us, and he was, of course, honored last weekend up in Cooperstown as the winner of the Baseball Writers Association of America Career Excellence Award. He is the Hall of Famer, ESPN's, ESPN's own Tim Kirkshen, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Tim, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always a treat for you to take the time for us. Thank you for doing it, and congratulations on your weekend in Cooperstown, my friends. Well, thank you, Glenn. That was uh, an overpowering overwhelming experience uh it was unforgettable i was scared to death i've never been so nervous in my life having to do anything but to be around all my writer friends who were there and of course all the hall of fame players who were there cooperstown is just this ludicrously charming town that if people haven't been there you, you gotta go and as soon as you go in there you realize there's a shared interest in the love for baseball there and that makes you really feel at home so i had a tremendous time and uh now it's time to move on all right so i'm gonna one more one more because you just sure. use a, you use a term there it was love for baseball and in many of the interviews that you did around the cooperstown weekend and i, I wish i could remember the exact wording but i remember you saying like hey i don't think i'm the best writer or the best tv guy of all time i think people have appreciated how much i love the game and, and it really struck with me because I think you're 100% right that it's part of why so many people have fallen in love with you as a media personality that, you know, you, you joke about it, right? Like, I love Sacrifice Flies. I love all of the, 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 the little idiosyncrasies about the game of baseball. Um, how much do you appreciate the fact that that has allowed you to connect with so many people that you just have this incredible passion for the game of baseball. Yeah. And I have for my entire life. And I repeat, I am not a great writer. I look terrible on TV. I have an awful voice, but the, what has carried me in my career is a love for the game, which my father instilled in his three boys when we were exceptionally young and if you really love the game and you're, you're interested in everything that happens and you can't wait to read the box scores in the morning, uh, that, that's what I've done my entire life. And this is what I learned from people in Cooperstown. A lot of them feel the same way, and that's what keeps me going. I was walking around Cooperstown. There was a guy all by himself on a, on a side street. Um, I talked to him briefly. I said, so how would you get here? Where are you from? He goes, I drove here from san diego he drove from san diego wow. to cooperstown wow. and this this is what people do for the game and it, it's moments like that and like all of last weekend that makes me realize that what i do for a living what we all do for a living cover covering this game actually matters because people really truly care about this game and that's why i care about it so much is i know how many people deep down inside, have always loved this game. 
That's so cool. It's so cool to hear you say it. There is no doubt. It is why so many people have have connected with you so much over the years is that they feel that passion that you have for the sport. And I would imagine as someone who loves the sport as much as you do, the story of the 2022 Baltimore Orioles has got to be a, a, a pretty cool one for you to embrace. It's been remarkable. As you know, Glenn, last year they finished 39 games out of fourth place. Yes. Only one other team in history has ever finished that far behind the next worst team in their league or their division. And now here they are not only not in last place, but they're, they're in a playoff race. It's a remarkable story. It's why baseball is the greatest game ever is that teams and players go from really bad to really good and really good to really bad like overnight and for no particular reason. That's why it is so great. I covered the 88 Orioles that lost 21 games in a row and lost 107 games that year. I covered like 160 games that season. And we all thought they'd be terrible in 89 and they nearly won the division. Again, this, I don't believe stuff like this happens in the other sports nearly as often as it happens in baseball. So how do you explain... Tim Kirkshen is with us here on GCR. How do you explain something like... We were just talking about this a second ago. That They still... They don't, they don't have a great off... They're a bottom third offense in baseball. They don't really have enough pitching. I mean, my word, they're, they're throwing out whoever they can throw out the pitch every fifth day. Obviously, they have a very good bullpen. We all know that. But how do you explain the story and how this has happened here in Baltimore, Tim? Well... Again, Glenn, you can't explain it. That's what's so beautiful about it. When there is no explanation, the game is too good to allow us to completely understand how things happen. And that's one of the ultimate beauties of the game. Now, that bullpen has been great, uh, no doubt, the entire season. When Adley Rushman came up, it seems like everything changed when this kid came in and people started playing better. You're right about the offense, but they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, Hayes and Santander and Mountcastle and Mancini, those guys are pretty good major league hitters, not to mention Cedric Mullins. So they're, they're a slightly underrated offensive team. They play really hard. They have a good bullpen, and somehow they've cobbled together enough of a starting rotation to be where they are. A remarkable story and one – you know, one one of the best stories in the game this year. Tim, we um, we certainly, a year ago, were in a place where we thought Brandon Hyde was going to be a goal. I mean, just, you know, you go through terribly long losing streaks, and even if it's not a manager's fault, there are just times where you, you can't wash that stench off of you. And there was a lukewarm commitment, like, hey, you know, he's got another year um, just so he's not a lame duck this year. But now, given the fact that is on paper this this shouldn't be this good of a baseball team, and here they are sitting at five hundred, I, I think we're having a real conversation about how much credit does Brandon Hyde deserve to the point where should the Orioles think about tacking on a little bit more and allowing him the opportunity to be the guy that leads them into the next phase of this plan? Yeah, I think they should add on a year or two more because I've never felt, and I've seen this before, that it's fair to ask a guy to take all these losses and then when the team gets good, we're going to turn to somebody who's going to turn us into a playoff team or a champion. That, that's just not right. If you're going to go through all these losses and all this difficult uh, stuff, you need to stay there when the team gets good. And Brandon Hyde deserves to stay there. 
and I think he will and he should because he's earned it by turning a really bad team last year into a very competitive team this year. I think it's incredible. I don't, I don't think you can take it away from him. I don't think they're doing it in spite of him, Tim. Like, I don't think there's any way that could be the case. Um, all right, so here we are. We're 24-plus we're hours away from a deadline, and you know that this is an awkward spot for the Orioles to be in, um, particularly Trey Mancini is a beloved figure. There's, there's some argument that maybe if they're going to think about acquiring players this coming offseason, that maybe they think about acquiring players now if they've got more control, a Pablo Lopez type or a, you know, a Jose Urquidy, somebody like that if he's really on the market. What, what do you do if you're a team that – that it's arrived to this process early, but you are here, you're in the thick of it. How do you handle that if you're Mike Elias? Yeah, this is a really tough spot the Orioles are in. On the one hand, you got to stick to the plan of rebuilding this team because the plan is, by, is not close to being finished, although it's getting a lot closer. So you have to stick with the plan, and yet with Trey Mancini, Sorry, you, you have to keep that guy. He's the emotional leader of the team. And with all due respect to him, I'm not sure you're going to get enough for him in a trade I agree. to justify dealing him. I would keep him without a doubt. Now, if you can add, if you can add Pablo Lopez without giving up too much, which I think is highly unlikely, right. then I think you do it. The fans have been unbelievably patient through all this. And when you have a chance to win, I think you have to go for it. Earl Weaver used to always tell me when I covered the Orioles every day, if you have a chance to win this year, you go for it. And then you figure out next year, next year. Now that's of course a different Oriole team, a completely different time. But I think the Orioles need to reward their fans just a little bit and say, instead of trading three players to get some more prospects and sticking with the plan, I think they have to say, all right, we're going to try to add someone and we're going to go for it to some degree. And we're not going to trade Trey Mancini. That's what I think ultimately could happen. Tim Kirkchen with us on Glenn Clark radio, Tim, you and I, uh, we're, we're speaking basically the same language specifically with Trey Mancini. Like I, unless there's something I'm missing, like I just don't see a world in which there's a team that's out there that wants to give you a lot back for Trey Mancini. And we, of course he's beloved, as you know, in this town, he is, almost immortal in this city um so there's no way you get that value in a trey mancini deal i'm i'm completely with you i don't feel quite the same way about jorge lopez for example like i i think you have a very deep bullpen and i think that most of us have watched felix batista this season and said hey that dude might be even better and might really be your closer for the next three to four years and also, Jorge Lopez looks like he could be an asset. Like, there might be a team, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but there might be a team that really looks at that guy and says, hey, we give up something real in order to acquire him. I don't feel as strongly about, you know, not trading Jorge Lopez as I do about Trey Mancini. Well, I totally agree with that also. I mean, look at the Yankees who've lost Michael King and Chad Green for the season. They need a bullpen arm, a good one. And, you know, Lopez would be perfect for them. Every team out there is looking for, for another bullpen arm because you win in the postseason ultimately, you know, with bench and bullpen, and you got to have all sorts of pieces. So he would be a great piece. And so I, I think he's one of those guys where you say, all right, if we can get a, a serviceable player or something in return for 
for him, we should do that. And I think they will. So the Orioles might be one of those teams that buys and sells sure. at the same time, <laughs> right. which makes it, again, a yeah. very complicated time. I've said it a million times. This is when the general managers earn all their money right now. Are we in or are we out? Are we buyers or sellers or are we both? And, and I'd follow up with one, too, about what you said. I, I'm with you when it comes to trying to acquire someone. Like, There's no way that Grayson Rodriguez or D.L. Hall or Gunnar Henderson could be involved in that conversation. But I, I mean, like, you do have a deep system for the first time in a very long time. And if... You know, a Kyle Stowers, a Jordan Westberg, you know, pieces like that. Some of the secondary pieces combined could net you someone. I'm listening. The one that that's really kind of wild to me, um, your friend Ken Rosenthal put out there into the universe last week, uh, uh, Cedric Mullins, Jose Urquidy conversation with the Astros. And I'm like, oh, boy, I man, maybe you really could sell Cedric Mullins high when this season is probably more like what Cedric Mullins is and. Boy, isn't Urquidy like the perfect piece? That one was very enticing to me, Tim. I couldn't ignore that. Yeah, that that guy can really, really pitch. And he's pitched in the postseason before. He's absolutely fearless. And I would, you know, I would at least look at something like that. But again, determining the value of a player, is this going to be as good as he gets? Uh, Baseball tricks you all the time on those things. That's why... You have to be extra, extra careful. What what if Cedric Mullins goes to Houston and suddenly he becomes the Cedric Mullins from last year? I, then you'll regret it, right. Have, have a center fielder that they need. They win the World Series and Oriole fans are going, what are we doing? He was yeah. unbelievably good last year. Again, that's, that's why baseball is so, so great is you're just never sure of a player and he could be really good, really bad, and you're just never sure. Well, as you know, the Orioles have never made a regrettable trade with the Houston Astros ever. It's just <laughs> never, ever happened, so we have no reason to be concerned about that whatsoever. Um, uh, Tim, before I let you go, and I truly appreciate you taking the time, we don't want to talk about it in Baltimore because, as you know, we hate the Yankees, but should we be having a greater national conversation about what Aaron Judge is doing because like, the pace and comparing him to where Barry Bonds was and some of the biggest numbers of all time really is kind of remarkable to consider what it is that he's accomplishing this season. We just don't like giving him credit here, as you can understand. Right. The only players in history that have gotten to August with more homers than Aaron Judge are Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. That's it. He has nine multi-homer games. No Yankee has ever had nine multi-homer games in any season, and we have two months to go in this season. Uh, Going into yesterday's game, Judge had hit nine homers the second half of the year. That was more than 17 teams had hit homers the second half of the season. And he got to number 200 for his career with his 42nd homer. Only Ryan Howard got to 200 career homers in fewer games than Aaron Judge. That's who we're talking about this year, and that's why, to me, he's got to be the MVP of the American League. He's the best player on the best team, and he's going to win a lot of votes for that. Yeah, and that fake ballpark. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> I, got, I got to compose myself. Um, Tim Kirkchen, uh, what an honor, man. I, I, I'm so happy for you, and I know how much you care about this city and the time that you spent here, and that's always been very reflect, not just in your conversations with Scott Van Pelt over the years, but um, <laughs> throughout the course of your career. What can I plug for you, sir? What, what can I get a plug out for? Uh, 
Well, there, there are no plugs. Uh, I'm doing baseball tonight from 7 to 8, leading into the Astros uh, game against the Red Sox. And then I'm doing a, the trade deadline show from 4 to 6 tomorrow afternoon. And then I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> it's been a long month. I can understand that. At Kirkchen underscore ESPN on Twitter. Tim Kirkchen, thank you so much, sir. And congratulations once more on a very well-deserved honor. Well, thank you, Glenn. See you. Tim Kirkchen from ESPN, uh, one of the absolute best. And appreciate him taking the time. And, you know, we really are chewing a lot of the same dirt in how we feel about where the Orioles are going into tomorrow afternoon. You know, we we agree wholeheartedly about you're not, you can't, you just can't trade Trey Mancini for the sake of trading him. You can't do it. It's spitting in the face of your fan base. And I... And I've said this a few times. I understand that if the Orioles do it, they would say privately, we love this guy that we got in return. If the Orioles trade Trey Mancini for some you know, international 19-year-old that is not registered as a valued prospect in whoever's system, the Mariner system, and you pulled Mike Elias aside tomorrow night and said, dude, what are you thinking? He would say, Glenn, you have no idea. This guy, this guy's going to be good. You have no clue. We've been on him for five years. When this kid was 14, we saw it. Didn't have a chance. Didn't work out. Now we have an opportunity. This guy's going to be special. Trust us. And that puts us in an awkward position, right? Because we can say, hey, we think Mike Elias has done a lot of good things. But, but to that point, to trading away a beloved figure with no guarantee fairy there to tell you the guarantee's right there on the box, we don't. We don't. That equity is not built up. Lots of equity is. For, to, to this point, Mike Elias has done the things that largely he said he was going to do when he arrived. System was going to be gutted. They are going to start all over again. There was going to be an overhaul. And there's been a lot of talent. Every, every inch of analysis about this system credits what Mike Elias and his team has done in order to reload it. But the next step, and the thing that we don't know anything at all about, is the step into winning. So far, Mike Elias' greatest accomplishment is being 500 on August 1st. We don't know anything about whether Mike Elias knows how to win as a Major League Baseball general manager. To be clear, we have no reason to think he doesn't. It's a neutral. We just don't know. Is the equity built up for us to just trust him? In terms of trading a beloved figure for something that can't be measured, the answer is no. But that doesn't, of course, mean that if they do it, that they'll be wrong. It might very well be that that 19-year-old international player that they've thought of for five years but nobody else sees 
that that guy could prove to be something. We don't know. But we're measuring it against what could prove to be this year. And that still has the chance to be something special. Again, not a World Series winner. We know that. But something special. And detracting from that is problematic. To his point, I absolutely can see a scenario tomorrow where they do a little bit of both. I'm not expecting it. I'm not expecting them to go on the offensive. I'm not expecting them to land a major league player. I mean, a real major. Like, like they could take somebody who's sort of a fringe major league player as part of a return for Jorge Lopez, something like that. But to purposefully target and acquire a major league caliber player, I don't expect them to do. But could they? And is there an argument that they should? In, in terms of trying to figure out roster construction for not just this year, but the next couple of years to come, I can absolutely sell you on the idea that the best path is to use some of your internal prospects to try to acquire a pitcher and at the same time acquire more prospects in exchange for Jorge Lopez. It's kind of a little cycle, right? We think we have depth in one area where we don't have depth in another area, so can we use all of that recoup a little bit of what we're losing in order to help out balance what we have in the major leagues. We have this overwhelming bullpen and a meh starting rotation. Could we have a good bullpen and a better starting rotation? Use the assets that we have in the minors and replace them with some new assets that we acquire in another trade. It's not going all in. It's dipping your toes into both waters and saying this is smart for now and for the future. To me, that's the best argument I could make. The best argument I can make about how the next day should go is that they use Jorge Lopez as bait to try to land real prospects, players that can help for the next few years. Not necessarily single A guys, not necessarily, but real prospects. And then use some of their own internal prospects to try to land a pitcher that they have control of for another few years at the major league level. I'm not saying you can be made whole in the process. I'm not saying that the cost that you're going to get in return for Jorge Lopez will be equal to the cost that you have to pay for a starter because that's not how it works. But it could be close. You can minimize the damage of what you lose if you do go after, say, a Pablo Lopez. Let's just, for the fun of it here we are you gonna go to the, the trade oh am later? i of course i'm gonna go <laughs> what do you think i'm going to do who was the there was like i don't know if it was a player or a comedian that tweeted out there was a really funny tweet about i'm the guy that um oh damn it i gotta find it there was a guy who tweeted out i think it was a like a minor league baseball player who was like please stop using the trade oh. simulator <laughs> i'm the guy who has to figure out if um, Marcus Dank Shorts is going is enough for Shohei Otani. Like it was a funny tweet, and the names were funny. I would really like it if you could find it for me. Okay, I, know, I, 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 I know I'm not giving you a lot to work with, but it was everywhere this weekend. It was a very popular um, tweet, and I enjoyed it a great deal. And I should have bookmarked it. And I, I'm bad at my job. I don't know what else there is to say. I'm not good at this. All right, let's do this for the fun of it. Orioles and Marlins make a trade. So I'm going to put. 
on this side, again, I'm going to baseball trade values, and I get it. One of the things that that is not that can't be reflected at baseball trade values is whether a team feels pressed to make a trade or not. And it's part of the Tariq Skubal conversation, which is, and I said this at the beginning, the Tigers, and I think we've got more information to back this up, they're not really interested in trading Tariq Skubal. What they're really doing is saying, hey, if you are so desperate for a pitcher that you will just give us anything, then we'll make Tariq Skubal available. He's not actually available. We're not trying to move him. What we're really saying is, if you are desperate, if you're the last guy at the bar and you're willing to pay $10,000 to the dollar, then we'll talk to you about Tariq Skubal. And that can't be reflected in this formula at baseball trade value. So I, I do have to be fair about that. Like, that's the reality. So I'm going to go to the Marlins, and I'm going to put Pablo Lopez in here. I'm going to find out how many points. Pablo Lopez is worth 49 points. That's basically the Scooble. I mean, I, I feel like it might even be more than the Scooble, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Scooble is like 46-ish or 47. Yeah. So in order to come uh, up with a... Similar deal. In order to come up with a Pablo Lopez deal... Let's do our best. It's going to have to be some of the same names that we used, I think. Who'd you use before? Uh, was, Kobe uh, Mayo was the one. that, And that was the painful one, right. right? Like, the painful one in the deal that I came up with was Kobe Mayo. I could, I could swap that with Colton Kalzer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I could swap it with Kalzer. And, and it depends. I mean, like, are you going to move Mullins, too? And it's like, then... Yeah, I mean, you obviously... Then you don't want to... Right, yeah. obviously. So I, I feel like Mayo and Stowers was the combination that worked for me mm-hmm. because if I would give up one outfielder... Stowers would be the guy that I would choose to give up. So again, in this trade values math, I've given up um, Mayo and Stowers, and that's gotten me to 25. I'm, I'm halfway. I'm halfway to Pablo Lopez. If I throw in the... I'd have to throw in a, somehow a big fish here. Yeah. You, threw, you had Westberg as well in the Scooble I definitely trade. had Westberg in the Scooble trade. So that's got me... I'm, I'm seven points off. So I know Norby. Yeah, was, you had Norby as well. So it's essentially the exact same package yeah. that I put together, <laughs> right? So I've got Mayo, Norby, Stowers, and Westberg going to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez, and the difference there is 49 points for Lopez, 48.4 for my package. So essentially it works. Again, it's a lot to give up, and it's a guy that's only got two years of availability of team control after this year. Would I do it? <sighs> You know, it's not quite as enticing as Scooble, right? Because Scooble has the third, like he's got three more years of, of team control. But you need pitching. I mean, you got to get pitching somehow. And again, in my scenario, where I'm going back the other way and I'm trading Jorge Lopez to someone, I'm just interested in what they think Jorge Lopez's value is. It wasn't that high, I remember. It really? Was like, yeah, it was like single digits, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I like, get really- it. I get it. Like that's that's why I say you can't make up you can't make the difference up. Five point um, six. Yikes. Yeah, I, I think that's higher than it was last week. Honestly. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, it's not that's not going to get you a lot. No. But again, all th- this is where all it takes is one desperate team and somebody that really needs bullpen help. It could at least maybe get you back. For example, 
like uh, Kyle Stowers is an 8.5-point player. Could you get a Kyle, Kyle Stowers-esque prospect in return for Jorge Lopez so that instead of giving up four prospects, you're really giving up three because you're trading out Stowers for someone else? That's the conversation I'm looking to have. Again, I find it very unlikely, and I want to keep making that clear. I don't think the Orioles are going to do it. Or if they're going to do it, I think it's going to be aim lower. Like, there could be, I mean, I remember Stan brought up Brady Singer. Mm -hmm. I I haven't heard Brady Singer's name out there for what it's worth. I've operated with names that I've I've heard about as being potential trade chips. maybe, Maybe Brady Singer really is on the market, and I've just not, maybe I should do a, a cursory search. Brady Singer trade. Um... I'm just not I'm just not seeing much. I'm not seeing much that the Royals are enticed to try to trade Brady Singer versus wanting him to be a part of their plans moving forward. So I've done all these conversations I've had have been about major league prospects. Again, for the fun of it, just because what the hell we're here and the deadline's tomorrow. I found your tweet by the way. Oh, what it, you got it? Yeah. What would get from uh, Tom Heck Hackamere. I don't know. I don't don't know who he is. Yeah. Well, yeah, neither do I. He said, please stop using the trade simulator. I'm the guy who has to make up all the numbers, so please stop making me calculate if a package of Jimothy Pac-Man and Marcus Dampslacks is is enough to get your team Otani. I love that tweet. And the responses are so... Like, the responses are like, Dampslacks a problem. (laughs) Mets fans think they they can trade a 28-year-old double-A player. Like for Soto or like <laughs> it's 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 wonderful. I just love that tweet so badly. I love it so much. All right, let's do the Astros bit, right? Let's just have fun with this, okay? So Lars Newtbar. What's that? Lars Newtbar. People throwing his name around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then there was the what? There was like an old video game where they simulated like. Oh right, right. And like right. a lot of people responded yeah. with that image of like make believe names from an old video game that are so bizarre and random. And I wish I I can't remember what it was. It's a great tweet. Sleeve McDyckel. That, I don't remember what the game was. I would love to remember to, like what the game was. Read those names. There was some video game. Willie Justice. They, they they simulated. I want to say like this was maybe a baseball video game. From yeah, before because like, like wasn't I remember seeing before you too. could use major league players. Bobson Dugnut. Keep going. Keep read them. Read them. Todd Gonzalez. Uh, let's see. Tim San San Sandale. Dwight, oh, there we go. Dwight, Dwight Rorschach. All right, I was trying to get, all right, never mind, never mind, never Which mind. Which one are you looking for? I just want you to read them all very quickly. I just wanted a list of like I, it's all. It's hard to pronounce. Ray uh, McSriff. Okay. Right. For, forget it, forget it, not worth Anatoly it. Anatoly Smorin. Um, Raul Ch- Changerlin. Jose Urquidy. No, I, that's, that's not on there. Ho, thank you. <laughs> Jose Urquidy. Why does Jose Urquidy's value only 11.1 points? So you just go straight up Jorge and... Like Stowers. what am I missing let's go, here? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lopez. Well, and they apparently there. specifically want major league bats. That's what they're interested in. Houston. Hang on a second. What am I missing about Jose Urquidy? Is it because he's older? Is that the is that the reason why? Ramon Arias is eleven. Yeah, his value is eleven. So uh, that's that's quite interesting. <laughs> Boy, is that quite interesting. Oh my. <laughs> What am I missing about Jose Urquidy? All right, I got to pull this up right now. I guess just because he's not. He's like got two dominant, more. He's, he's got. He's three more years of team control. The hell am I missing? Should here? we message that guy and be like, "Yeah, well, it's not him. I promise you, he's not actually the guy." Jose Urquidy. What am I missing about Jose Urquidy? Is that his value is so low? He's not having you know like the greatest season. He's pitching to a one-two whip. 
And I guess it's just because we're in a rotation with Verlander and Luis Garcia, a three point Valdez. I mean, this has been Christian Javier. This has been his worst season, but his worst season is still a three point eight six ERA. Like he's definitely still the best pitcher the Orioles would have. Yeah, I don't understand why he's only an eleven point one. I, I guess just because the Astros just don't value him that much. Like they they have four starters who are all significantly better than him. That's and fair. Uh, for what it's worth, they this baseball trade values sees Cedric Mullins as being a fifty two point three. Okay, so we uh... so and that's always been the thought that if when when Rosenthal wrote about it, he said the Astros would also have to throw in some of their prospects as well. And again, this goes back to the can you do all of these things? Can you accomplish all of the things that you want to accomplish? Can you both better your own team, fortify yourself for the years to come, make yourself whole? A little of column A, a little of column B. It's not the traditional, how do we go out and get the most that we can get to try to win right now? I know uh, Casey Stern's going to join us in a couple of minutes. Casey always is the, hey, you know, parades are cooler than prospects guy, right? Like that's always been his thing. This isn't about that. The Orioles aren't living in a parades versus prospects because the parade ain't happening this year. But can they do all of the above? Can they strengthen themselves now and for the future without drastically cutting into what it is that they have for the coming years in their system. And I think they could. Will they? Again, I don't I don't know. I'd probably bet against it. But the Mullins or Keedy thing is quite interesting to me. And my God, the, the math on this is very weird. This is the most this yeah. is the strangest one we've come across. Well if we went by if we went by that, I mean they have Verlander as a fifteen and Christian Javier well, as a that, twenty. Well but that's related so, to age and that's right, related right. to like like I understand when somebody who's in their late thirties is not viewed as a because part of their formula is you know, like, right. age is a major factor there. But Jose Arquiti's what, in his late 20s, isn't he? Isn't he, like, 28? 27. 27. I don't get that at all. I mean, I just don't get it, but not my system. All right, we're winding down hour number one of today's program. It's also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience, and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Still to come today, we will go to Cleveland. We will chat with Nick Wilson from 92.3 The Fan, get their reaction. and how I, I really The question that I'm fascinated is, how does he handle this as a talk show host? Because the city is acting like they won something. Like right. they, the fan base in Cleveland is celebrating today. But like a responsible adult would presumably say, like, hey, this... This isn't something to celebrate of. I remember how awful it felt to be a talk show host in the in the aftermath of Ray Rice and being the guy saying like what the f is going on around here? This isn't okay. And being forced to criticize the Ravens and how horribly they handled the situation and them get mad at me, but me having to say like I have a soul. I I I have to respond the way that I'm responding. I just wonder what it's like to be a talk show host right now in Cleveland when your fan base is acting a certain way and those are the people that you're supposed to speak to, but at the same time, the subject is way more important than football. So I wanted to talk to Nick Wilson about it. Jeremy Connell join us and also coming up next, our buddy Casey Stern. We'll talk to him about 
you know, getting back into the swing of things and also get his thoughts on parades and prospects and the trade deadline and the Orioles and all of those things. That's all on the way. Hour number two of Glenn Clark Radio is next. Hey, Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s Concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. I mean, this this uh, website is very dangerous, Griffin. <laughs> like, there is a real... I got work to do today. I got an event to go to tonight. Like, I can't... I can't just stay on this website all day and take all of the Astros pitching prospects in exchange for Cedric Mullins. I can't do it. <laughs> Griffin's over there doing the math. He's like, you know, they could have Javier and Brown and... And... and Ur- well, yeah, they could throw it. But that... Uh, they could have Urquidy, Javier, and Brown... And that's 55 points, and Mullins is 52. I'm like, well, son of a bitch. This is so dangerous. This is such a problem. Like, all I'm going to do today is just try to make Marcus Dampslax an Oriole somehow. Ah, 
Danger, danger, baseballtradevalues.com was a bad thing to introduce to my life here over the course of the last couple of months. All right, um, hour number one in the books of Glenn Clark Radio. Hour number two, uh, a lot to do as we are just now 29 hours away from baseball's trade deadline and still awaiting what it is the Orioles may or may not do. I mean, they just genuinely might do nothing uh, whatsoever between now and then and uh, sit tight and let this thing ride out, and we'll see how it goes. Um, It's been too long since we've caught up with our next guest, Um, despite the fact that he rubbed it into me uh, in the aftermath, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, the day that the Orioles played the Blue Jays in the uh, 16-play-in game, whatever you want to call it, wild-card game. Um, He was on with us that morning, and we were like, dude, why wouldn't they start Ubaldo tonight? And he was like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) What is wrong with you? You start Chris Tillman, which is what the Orioles did. And then when Ubaldo blew it in the end, he he let me hear about it. He let he reminded me a couple of times. He's back. <laughs> you, Casey Stern, do you remember that day? I do. I do. Yeah, I, he, do. I, I do. I also remember telling you that it was going to be a long time until the Orioles won again. And mm. I think people in Baltimore, like, they, they, they crossed me off of their, their, their Christmas and, and Hanukkah list for a while. <laughs> yeah, they, so I, I'm... I'm I'm hoping I'm back on board, but yeah, I do. I do remember that, and and I tell this story. I've told this. I told this many times, and this is totally true. Behind the scenes, so it was that Turner, of course, at the time. I remember it was Jimmy Rollins' first year with us, and we were doing the game, and you're sitting there, and and you're waiting to go run out on set when, when you're in extra innings, and you get to the end of the game in the ninth inning, you're not sure when that's going to be. And as soon as Abaldo, this is totally true. As soon as Abaldo was announced that he was the one warming up instead of Britain. And Jimmy was laying with his shoes off. We were in the green room watching the big TV. I said, get your shoes off. Oh, God. All right, let's not talk about this any longer. It's a terrible memory. Sorry about that. (laughs) Casey Stern is back. He's on the Believe Network. His new podcast is called Unfiltered. Um, you know, Casey, you've been very public about a lot of things that, that you've had going on in your life over the last few years and your fight to try to protect your kids. And, um, you know, we've been friends for a while. You've been really good to us uh, when you were in very prominent roles in, in national media. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that you're back at this doing what you do so bloody well. Um, can you just take me through what it's been like, everything that you've been through and getting to a point where you say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to do this and remind everybody of who I am and, and what I'm all about. Yeah, and I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. It's become one of my, my favorite quotes of, of, from all people from Oprah Winfrey. She has this quote where, and I'm a big believer in positive thinking, but she's got this quote where she says, you know, anybody can ride with you in the limo. You want the people who ride with you uh, in the bus next to you after the limo breaks down. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, mm. That, that's kind of, you know, for me and, and you know, the family situation and what, what I went through as a dad, kind of what happened. And, you know, when for, for me, like fighting to we, we all do. Look, we, we do this because we love to do this. We do this for two reasons. One, we can't actually play. It's and a fact. two, because, <laughs> right, because we love doing this and you want to be part of sports. To, to not have that in my life when I'm dealing with my kids was it wasn't even a thought. It was no question. But I don't, I don't even think I realized how much of a hole I, I had in my soul, literally not doing it because of how much I love doing it. So to be back and, and being able to talk sports and, and have things settle down to a point where it enabled me to do that, I, I, just, I feel very blessed to be able to do it. 
Tell me about the podcast. Tell me about like you know. Obviously, people associate with you with baseball. You were doing basketball for like like give me a give me a feel for what it is that people are getting with unfiltered. Well, I mean, it starts with I heard I was one of seven people in the world without a podcast. So right, thought, correct. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Right, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, I was like the I was like the last guy with a BlackBerry. All right, I'll try an iPhone. No problem. Um, but I, you know, I when I when I kind of started putting this together and thought about what I, I wanted to do first, I, I really was excited about kind of making impact myself. Look, I and you know I, I've been blessed to, to work with some great places, but I, I was tied to Major League Baseball and the logo for she's for MLB.com for years, and then for twelve or thirteen seasons, uh, you know, for MLB Network Radio and tied to the NBA and. And, you know, I was never shy. I mean, at one point, my microphone probably should have been off. But other than that, I wasn't very shy. But there were times where I wanted to try new things and be more creative. And, and you know, you have to stay in a certain box. I wanted to get out of that. And, you know, the idea of being unfiltered to me is, it really comes down to being authentic, is something that we just don't have enough of in this world or even in our industry. So, you know, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. It's what I am. I don't, I'm not anybody who is any better than anyone else in their life who's a sports fan. I've, I've had some lucky breaks and I've got a big mouth and, you know, it puts me in a position to be able to do some stuff, but I want, I want to speak to people that way, you know, that it's okay. Like I, you know, look, Kenny Rogers walked Andrew Jones in 1999 and I threw a television set and broke it and was very upset. And I've been friends with Jim Duquette Speaking of Baltimore for yep. many, many years. Yep. But when Duke and I started working together, and he could tell you this is a very true story. When we started working together at MLB.com before even we worked together on the radio side, I, I invited him, and this is so true, it's very funny. But we went to a steak dinner in, in Manhattan, and the entire dinner, I prefaced this with him. I said, I've got to air out a bunch of things. Like, I needed to know why, what Melvin Mora deal was about. I needed to know about the Zambrano trade. The first thing on the list, was please explain to me why in the hell Kenny Rogers was in the game when Dotel was available in the bullpen. This is what I'm asking you. <laughs> I want to bring that, that we're, we're all the same. We're all that way. And sometimes it's in sports we don't cover, right? But I, the premise of it is to really just be unfiltered and authentic about who we are as sports fans. I appreciate that, man. I really do. I truly appreciate and feeling the love and that there's an actual passion and it's not just a job. You're not just, I'm not just punching time clock. I'm not just checking a box. It's something that I genuinely want to do, and I, I love everything about it. Unfiltered is the podcast. It's available with the Believe Network. Casey Stern is with us here on GCR. All right, Casey, well, the Orioles have finally won a little bit again, and a, and a little bit. They're 500, yeah. right? But, by the way, around here we're ready for a parade because of it. Um, what do they do now? This is a very awkward situation that we've been talking about for the last couple of days where – I, you know they're they're good, but they're they're not going to win a World Series. Obviously, they are building something that maybe in the future could win you a World Series. But I don't think you can keep acting like you're rebuilding because you're spitting in the face of your own fan base. I know you are absolutely a parades over prospects guy, but you know it's not going to be a parade this year, no matter what. How do you handle this if you're the Baltimore Orioles? You've got to do the uh, Paula Abdul opposite the track, the video with the cat, two steps yeah, forward, two, two steps, steps back. back. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 where you're at. I, I think honestly, in one word, the, the the ironically, and this is not a plug, but be unfiltered. And I was thinking honestly, when when teams that and I'll, I'll I'll give you an example, the Chicago Cubs, they were bad for so many years, and Jim Hendry had gotten fired, and here comes Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and their group. And they were very honest. You go back to it. Now, this is in Chicago. 
nothing against at all the rabid fan base that's upset in Baltimore. You imagine we know what they were dealing with with the Cubs for all those years, right? And they're basically saying, we have no system. We're not any good. We can't really sign anyone yet because it wouldn't be. And they were always honest. And they were able to get that fan base of all places to ride with them. This fan base down in Baltimore knows that, okay, you know what? This, this, this management kind of knows what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're starting to see some things. So you built some street cred. Tell them the truth. Hey, when we trade Trey Mancini, if we trade a reliever or two, you're not punting necessarily, but you want to see what young kids in September call-ups have in your organization. You don't want to worry about, if I'm 500, do I get a T-shirt out of that? Like, it doesn't matter. Be honest with your fan base about how excited you are about where you're going, but that you understand that the goal is not to be 500, the goal is to win, and your fans will stay on board with you and understand that. So my issue is Mancini, right? And Casey, it's specific to, I just don't think you're getting anything for Mancini. I just don't think there's this market for a positionless, decent, but not outstanding bat, that you're essentially doing it for the sake of doing it. And you're, you're not moving the needle in any way. Whatever you get back is going to make no ultimate difference in whether this all comes together for you to contend for a World Series. Why give up on this beloved figure that could help you in, you know, to your point, whether it's just finishing above 500, playing some meaningful baseball games, who knows, sneaking in somehow to a final wild card spot if the return just can't be anything of significance? Well, first of all, if he was of that much value to you, and I love Trey Mancini, especially in the story, so please understand, but just from a business standpoint, if he was that valuable to you, then you'd be a playoff team, right? So it's like, you know, he can't, you can't on your own in baseball, especially with the way he plays and how he fits into your team, do that anyway, no matter what he does down the stretch. If you get to the postseason, it'll be, hey, young pitching does this and these players do that. It's not going to be the Trey Mancini show anyway. You, you don't do it for the sake of doing it. But you do it because, and I think they probably will, as long as, first of all, you're, you're scouting talent, right? You're trying to find, you hate to go Aladdin, the diamond in the rough. That's basically what it all is. But I remind you, and this, this has now become, let me tell you, Glenn, about all the nightmares that all of your fans are listening <laughs> right. to. Um, let's remind you of the name Scott Feldman, who, by the way, is a terrific guy. Uh, probably not guy. very well liked in not very uh, well liked in Baltimore. It wasn't like and he was awful. He was just, you know... N- I, I know. Go ahead. I'm going to let you go. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but, I mean, no, but it, no, he is, look, he's a number five starter. That's Correct. what he is. Correct. Right? He won it. That's, that's all he is. So you had Jake Arietta, who we knew, and I remember talking to Buck then, had great stuff, had a great heater. Yep. He, he couldn't find it. He couldn't stay ahead in the count. And, and all of those things, maybe they'll get figured out, but they couldn't figure them out. And, you know, hey, we'll throw you Pedro Strope. How'd those two guys do for a fifth? Starter. Worked and out quite well for the, the Cubs. Baltimore. Yes. Correct. So you look at Scott Feldman. Is Trey Mancini any less valuable than Scott Feldman? Probably not. So, right? So what if I get a deal where you get a guy you never heard of, right? And, you know, maybe he's, oh, his ERA is 5'7", but they like something about him. And your organization has already shown, right? They kind of have an idea, right, from scouting. And then all of a sudden in three years, maybe it takes three years, that guy's on the mound in game three of some playoff series, and you're like, we did this for two months at Trey Mancini? 
that's why you think about making the deal. I, I hear you. I hear you. And I know this, this comes down to the trust that you have in Mike Elias and your organization. And as I said before, I think that they've earned a lot, a, a reasonable amount of trust. But we still don't know that Mike Elias knows how to win as a general manager. Not to say that we think we have any reason no. to think he doesn't. We just don't know no, we that. don't know yet. And that's the difficulty right. here is that he hasn't, it's a tough thing to sell to a fan base that you've built up enough equity in the middle of what is, frankly, kind of a magical season. And I get it. We're, we're, we're using that term loosely because they are still a 500 baseball team. But it is a magical season by the standards of, of recent years to, to, to move a player that is so beloved within a community for something that will not register and return-wise and to say, hey, but trust us, we see something in this guy. To your point, you know, could it be someone else's Jake Arrieta? Yeah, it, it could be, right? But is it likely that that's the case? You know, probably not. I, it's a tough thing to do to a fan base. It's a tough thing to say, hey, stick with us. We promise we know what we're doing. And for me to get on here tomorrow and be like, I... I think they might know what they're doing, but I can't swear by that. But yeah, but you won't determine that based off of whether they trade Trey Mancini or not, or what they get, because most likely you, like all of us, are going to do. Let's be unfiltered. They're going to read reports, and he's got plus this and plus that and plus this, and he did this with a bunch of kids, and who knows what the heck that means, right? So you know, you're going to wait and see anyway. You may be somebody you don't see for two years. So you're not going to determine that based off of Mancini. By the way, understand what I'm about to say. I don't blame you or anyone because I would feel the same way. But this is a heartstrings issue. 100%. This is not a business issue. 100%. This is a the story of this player and person more specifically. What he has been in the you know silver lining during the doldrums, right? Where What he's meant for the franchise to say, hey, no, we're represented by that guy. And make your hair stand up. I get all of that. And you want the farewell and you want all of that. Well, you know what? You go ahead and sign him back in two months. You know what I mean? Go, go, go bring him back. Go, tr go, go get him back when he's a free agent. You, you have to consider what you're trying to do long term. And you have to. That's why these guys have the jobs and you and I don't. I mean, yep. GM said to me a long time ago, this, this, you think about, we never think of it this way. There's, there's, there's billions of people that are walking around this earth. There are 30 of these people. 30 total, 30 people who get their hand and their, you know, pulse on with their ownership saying, hey, this is what I want. There's 30 of them. You've got to have some faith that that guy is thinking business, not with his heart. Because when you think with your heart, usually in business, you're going the wrong direction. So let me run one more by you. Would you at all sure. consider the possibility of trading for a major league pitcher if you're the Orioles. Would you consider it all the idea of, hey, if there's a guy out there and people have thrown around Pablo Lopez and, you know, Scooble is, I think, wildly unlikely, but let's, you know, just put it in the conversation. Someone that's got three years, two to three years of team control and you could do it without it having to be Grayson Rodriguez or D.L. Hall, which is tough when we're talking about these types of pitchers. I get it. If you could do that, would you consider going that route and saying, hey, look, they could help this year, but the reality is they could help us for the next few years when we think we're going to be moving into a frame in which we can compete, and that might make sense to us? I would consider it if they were under control. I would be more likely to consider it if I was moving hitters. And this is, now, this is just my only like my Mike own Mullins. Uh, yes, I have always felt, I have always felt, 
that in that part, <laughs> now we got to, uh, this is the segment of nightmare. Sorry. But, and, and another terrific guy. I mean, look, the fact that Chris David and his wife gave $3 million to St. Jude, all the things they did. Sure. I love the great guy. Sure. You can't give him $170 million bidding against yourself. Remember, they're like, oh, we're leaving the table. And Scott Ford got another $10 million, Yep. And they were alone. When you're watching, you know, look, Tillman and Norris, these weren't names, but look where you are, right? You can't then just say, well, we'll punt pitching and give all the money to this guy. Why? Because that's Coors Field East at Camden Yards. You have to always think, I've got to build with young pitching. If I could get that controllable pitching, to your point, I'd do it. Because what you guys are building now and the fact that the credibility, look, I mean, you're not the Yankees, right? But you're better in a spot better now in the offseason than you were. And there are going to be guys who are looking at one- or two-year deals, maybe guys that are veterans, which certainly are good to add with the kids, who are going to say, hey, look, you know what? Maybe I'll take a one-year deal here because I might hit 30 jacks here where I hit you know, 18 last you're going to be able to always get that. You can always get hitters, you know, six through nine in a lineup to go take one or two year deals to go resurrect careers or, or just, you know, play because they're trying to play the same thing out, whatever the case may be, or play every day, right? They're going to not be every day yep. players. That's easy to do. Trey Mancini's are easy to replace. The physical, not, not the right, person. Right. Easy to replace in Baltimore. You can't find the pitching. Free agent pitchers are not running to go pitch in Baltimore. If you've got a chance to get a controllable pitcher and give up hitting instead, you've got to do it. I, we are in agreement. We are in agreement on that one in particular. All right, at Casey Stern on Twitter is how you follow him. Again, Unfiltered is the podcast on the Believe Network. Brother, I'm happy for you. Um, I re- wish you the best. You are one of the truly good guys in this business, man. I've always appreciated you. We'll look forward to chatting with you again here in the future. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Anytime, Glenn. Anytime for you. Be well. We'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Casey Stern checking in with us here on GCR. Um, Been through a lot, and I'm glad because I like Casey, and I root for Casey. And he's been a loudmouth. I mean, like, that's part of his, you know, it's it's not as if he's never, you know, yelled or screamed or, or said anything. You know, he's probably pissed some people off, but he's not been a carnival barker the way that I say, like, some of the national media types are. Um... I like Casey. I'm happy for Casey. I I want well for that guy, and he's truly been good to everybody in this business. All right, today's show also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. It is our Salute to Coaches issue. John Harbaugh is on the cover as we celebrate 15 seasons for John Harbaugh as the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, which is still, you know, a pretty remarkable accomplishment. And then other coaches from the area who are also either approaching or recently surpassed milestones, like Kenny Amatololo from Navy, uh, Pete Karinji from UMBC, Pat Clatchy from Mount St. Joe, Sasha Sorovsky, Missy Maharg from Maryland, and uh, Kendall Peace from Polly, and then some recently retired coaches like Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins, Lou Eckerl from Calvert Hall. They're all recognized with their stories told by the players whose lives they impacted, the athletes whose lives they impacted the most. So go pick that up today for free. It's a very special issue of PressBox available at your neighborhood at Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations where you find PressBox throughout the region. Let's go out to Cleveland. Uh, I, hear, I hear there's something happening there today. 
Joining us now, uh, a friend of our buddy uh, Ryan Chells. He is, of course, a host on 92.3 in the afternoons in Cleveland. He's Nick Wilson, and he's with us now here on GCR. Nick, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to chat, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thanks for thinking of me. It's uh, certainly an interesting day in Cleveland, so... Uh well, let's, let's get your reacting. Man, I, 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 the reason, you know what, I, and this is truthful, I really was thinking about how difficult it has to be to be a talk show host in Cleveland today. And I say that as a guy that dealt with this in Baltimore once upon a time in, in the Ray Rice situation. And I was the guy that everybody was mad at because I was like, what in the F are we doing? Like, what, what is wrong with us thinking that it's somehow a problem that we should be suspending Ray Rice or, like, rallying. But, like, what are we doing? How do we not get this? And yet there's a fan base in a city that all they think about is their players and their team and their guy and wanting to win a Super Bowl. How do you handle this as a talk show host, knowing you've got a fan base who's very happy today? Like, we're going to have our quarterback in Week 7, but the, the topic is so heavy and so significant that it shouldn't merit, like, celebration. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's going to be part of what I say today, which is I understand the urge to celebrate. Um, you know, maybe I'll feel more like it when Deshaun Watson's on the field throwing touchdowns, the thing he's brought here to do. But, like, I, it's just so weird because the NFL has done such a good job of trying to protect their ass by – Mudding the waters, releasing everything they could to make Deshaun Watson look as bad as possible because they want to win the PR side of this. They don't really give a flying fadoodle. What if if Deshaun Watson truly is held accountable by the? They don't care. The NFL just wants to get out of this with as little of collateral damage as they have had to this point, including in the Zeke Elliott stuff, in the Tom Brady stuff, at the Gate, in the Ray Rice stuff. So, as we sit here, the reality is there are very few winners and losers today. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think a good deal of Cleveland fans would say that they feel like winners today, given that it's only as long as it sticks to only six games. And that's the part, like, Nick, does it feel what you just alluded to with what the NFL wants to do to minimize collateral damage, that's why I said earlier, I feel like they almost have to appeal because they see the reaction, they see how visceral it is from everywhere besides Cleveland today, and they say to themselves, we've got to make it look like we're trying to do more. So my gut is, because of that, they, they say they have to appeal. Do you feel like, based on you know what you're saying, that that's probably the most likely outcome here? I actually think the NFL's in a no-win situation. Okay. Um, the, the reaction is going to be uh, what you've heard, which is outrage. Uh, because most people have not followed this, this whole situation, from start to finish. Most people, it's like uh, watching an episode of How I Met Your Mother. They've caught five minutes here. They know what Barney did 12 minutes in. But, like, if you ask people to do what Sue Robinson did, which is I'm going to look at every single fact that I have at my disposal and I'm going to make a recommendation. Most people could. Hell, I, Glenn, I, I've been around the thing for the whole time. Right. I probably could do as good a job as Sue Robinson, and I think that's important. You can't, if you are the NFL, you can't say uh, that, that, hey, We've got this new process. We want to be a step removed from making these unpopular decisions because players don't trust us because of it. 
And oh, by the way, we're going to appeal over the head of a female retired judge who her only job was to come down on a ruling. If you're the NFL and you appeal over Sue Robinson, it's going to look bad. If you're the NFL and you accept a six-game suspension, people are going to be pissed. This, this illusion that people have that there's some finesse game that the NFL can play that's going to make most people happy, it's insane. So the whole point, this is the one thing, this might be the only case Sue Robinson ever has. Mm-hmm. So I can't see a world in which you appeal that suspension, what, to add four more games? Why? Like, are people going to be like, I got ten games, cool. Yeah, we're Roger good, right. Not right. Schmo. right. Like, there's no, this imaginary line in the sand that everybody's got, oh, the NFL. Oh, and by the way, the backdrop of this is, you got an NFL owner that got nil punishment, got busted on a rub and tug. You got an NFL owner mm-hmm. that's overseas on a yacht like this, this Wolf of Wall Street, evading, well, he finally did talk to Congress, but he spent the whole time in <laughs> right, Italy. Right. So right. This, this idea, the NFL is in such awful waters, such murky waters. The idea that there's anything that is going to be the right play, the, that they won't come out with egg on their face, there isn't. If we start there, I think it really, yeah, I saw Diana Rossini, the love, venerable ESPN reporter, had a, had a tweet this morning saying, that the NFL can't be happy about this because they want to show their female base that they care about them. Um, which about maybe the worst optic you could have is, well, we don't really give a damn about this, but you know what? Let's make women buy more pink jerseys. So I guess at the end of the day, I think if I, I'm going to try to use a little empathy here, I'm not a female. I've never been a female. I don't plan on being a female. Right. But I would say it's equally insulting to women, to come over the top on Sue Robinson, given all of her qualifications, given every bit of nuance, the time she took, I think it would be as insulting to appeal to her as, oh, well, Roger Goodell got women and women fans of the NFL two more games suspension on Deshaun Watson. I don't see a winning play there if I'm the NFL. Then again, they galaxy brain a lot of this crap themselves. Nick Wilson, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Nick, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison to something that we also dealt with here in Baltimore. That was, once upon a time, the, the Ray Lewis story. And, you know, I'm sure, like everybody else in the world, there are people that said, Ray Lewis is a murderer, where the people that actually followed the case and knew the evidence said, Jesus Christ, you have no idea what you're talking about. At no point was Ray Lewis ever actually tied to a murder. There was a loophole in a law in Atlanta that because he was present when a killing occurred, they could charge him, and they did that to try to get him to rat out his buddies. Um, so we knew. We knew the reality of the circumstances, and it was still hinky, and you know there was an obstruction of justice involved. It wasn't... At no point would I ever say Ray Lewis was a choir boy, but we knew the absurdity of people that tried to allege that Ray Lewis was a murderer because we had seen all of the evidence and studied it, and it was something we spent every day with. I ask that to say, is there anything that those... Obviously, you've been invested because it's something you've had to talk about every day. Do you think that there's something about this case that the rest of the country doesn't know about that's relevant when we discuss it? I think the most interesting thing here is, because there's a lot of nuance, you get lost in the weeds. 
I think a, a really interesting point is that at no point was there coercion or physical force involved. I do think that is a line in the sand that is incredibly crucial when it comes to Deshaun Watson playing football. Uh, does the guy still have some very questionable proclivities? Yes. Did he very clearly target women and professional women specifically? You betcha. But I think the idea that, and, and by the cases heard by Sue Robinson, that there wasn't uh, physical coercion or, or physical force used, I think that's a nuance that most, most national pundits today are not going to be shouting about their lungs about because this is an easy victory lap. Like, that's, Glenn, you know this. Covering sports as long as, as you have, as long as I have, you realize at some point, a lot of national people, they don't give a damn about anything. They're not on national media type. They just, when they get a shot like this, they get a free chance to look like the big, you know, the hero because they get to take a superstar down a peg. Um, I think there's been a lot of that going on with the Deshaun Watson thing. It doesn't mean, let me be very clear here, it does not mean that the guy doesn't have some things he's got to work out. It also doesn't mean that he's a good guy. But you look at what initially was 60-plus allegations, says Tony Busby. You look at all the things that have come out. The fact that there isn't coercion or, or physical force used, that at least changes that or should change that in the way we assess how Deshaun Watson uh, conducted himself. Um. I, you know, it's interesting. It, it's interesting, right? Like, I, I, there is, boy, there's so much there, right? It's probably, it's almost probably too much for, for a guy like, a dumb guy like me who bitches about sports for a living to fully grasp and understand. But I, 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 I do think it's relevant, what you're pointing out. I do think it's relevant within the discussion to present all of it and say, hey, I, you know, I'm not trying to tell you he's a good guy, but I do think that this is warranted within the conversation. Like, I, I, I think there's a point to be made there. Um, I, I guess this is not nearly as important in the world, but for six games, what does this now look like for the Cleveland Browns until they face the Ravens in week seven? Well, I said earlier there are no winners and losers, or it doesn't feel like there's winners and losers. If you wanted to name one winner, the Cleveland Browns only having to, to, to trot Jacoby Brissett out there through the fraudulent month of September and early October, that's that's, that's about as much of a win as you can get. Um, this team, the, the rest of this roster, is about as good of a roster as they've had in Cleveland. It's not flawless. They got a couple of, uh, of key points where they're relying on young people to, uh, to be better than they have been. But, like, this could very well be the Cleveland Browns' best chance at winning a championship as currently constructed. And it probably is, as a matter of fact. So... The idea that you're going to get Deshaun Watson back as of right now, unless Roger Goodell appeals to himself, which feels really weird, um, just the idea of Roger Goodell being like, well, Rod, should we do it? Let's appeal uh, to ourselves. But looking back on this, like having Deshaun Watson for 11 of 17 regular season games, the, the division feels like a real possibility if Jacoby Brissett can even go 500 right. in those first six games. So to the Cleveland Browns, they, they in in that locker room, and they can't say this because it would look right. awful. Right. 
I would, I would imagine they feel like they they dodged a bullet if it stays at six games. I, I get that. I completely understand exactly what you're saying, and it certainly sets up an, a very enticing Week 7 matchup against the Ravens. Boy, that would be a... That's, I don't know why, but that would seem like a game that would want to have a bit of a larger national audience than a Sunday afternoon 1 o'clock game on, uh, on CBS. Uh, Nick Wilson, appreciate it. I, know, I, I can only imagine how much your phone has blown up today. I can only imagine how dem- in demand you are around the country. I know it's at Nick Wilson Says on Twitter. Is there anything else I can plug for you, sir? Oh, no, at Nick Wilson Says, and uh, I've already done a five-hour show, and in about uh, two and a half hours, I'll do another <laughs> five-hour show. So Jesus. We're, we're five, five hours off radio, five hours on radio hey. talk show. Hey, bro, get some uh, get some hot tea or something in the meantime. Gotta, Thank gotta you. Gotta get that throat coat, buddy. No doubt, bro. Thank you for taking the time for us. Really appreciate it, man. Anytime, buddy. Nick Wilson from out in Cleveland at 92.3. Um interesting points I, I i chose and griffin i don't know if we had already tweeted anything out if we did let's go ahead and delete it um anything from nick wilson just because i i feel like the context would be unfair that there was a the, a general point that he was trying to make and that if we accidentally tweet out some of it without tweeting out all of it it could end up being unfair and i don't i never want to be that guy i never want to be the guy that's unfair to our guests and we, we tweet out quotes what we do it's a very industry standard thing we do that because we want to encourage people to listen, frankly. Hey, we're, there's interesting things being said over here. Tim Kirkshen's saying the Orioles can't trade Trey Mancini. If that's the type of content you like, hey, why don't you wander on over and hang out with your friends on Glenn Clark Radio? Flat out, that's why we do it. But we don't, it is not our intent to cause problems. And a conversation as deep as this in bits and pieces can cause problems. And some people want that. Some people invite the controversy. I'm not going to be that guy. I understand what Nick Wilson was saying. Hey, there, there is some nuance to this. I'm not telling you Deshaun Watson is a great guy. I'm not telling you Deshaun Watson has been, you know, unfairly maligned. I'm saying that the actual evidence that's presented... Nobody seems to mention this. And in figuring out whether or not this guy is purely evil and should have any right at all to play football, I think it might be relevant, warranted to discussion to consider this. As we all know, and I allude to, there are people around the country that use the word murderer when they discuss Ray Lewis. And we know, because we paid attention to it, that that is insane. That the actual evidence, the actual charges that were presented had nothing, zero to do with the idea that Ray Lewis was involved in murdering someone. That instead, the laws in that state allowed for him to be charged because he was present. And they knew they couldn't convict him, but they hoped to use it to try to get him to rat out his friends. Ultimately, they knew they had so little that they allowed him to have the charges dropped despite the fact that he was not going to help them convict his friends. They knew what his testimony would be, and they still said, all right, fine, we'll just take it, because they knew. 
And we know that because we were following it. We were paying attention. We understand that ultimately a jury decided that those two young men that died were killed in act of self-defense. So ultimately no murder was committed. We know those things because it mattered here. And in the way that I talked about Ray Lewis, I needed to know, I need to know every detail. Can I be comfortable at all lionizing this person? If there is any risk that this person is a murderer, then I would not be willing to do that. We know those things here. But in Sheboygan, in Tucson, Arizona, in Spokane, they don't care the same way. So they just throw those words around. That's the reason why I asked the question. Is there something we don't know? Nick Wilson says, look, I'm not telling you Deshaun Watson's a good guy. But I do think that the way that we talk about him, we kind of miss the part where the evidence says no one is accusing him of physically forcing them to do something. Does it make it okay? No. But it is relevant in how we discuss it. Okay, I'll listen. I'll listen. Again, doesn't make me come away saying, glad Deshaun Watson, he's a, he's a good guy. I, I, I'm happy for him. What a, what a great feel-good story this is going to be. I'm not going to feel that way. But is it relevant in the discussion about how we got to this point and it's a six-game suspension? Probably is. It probably is relevant. Let's wipe all that out. Let's, uh, let's completely... How do we do this? How do we move from one topic swiftly to another, especially a heavy topic? With, we, our, with our next guest? Probably. I know, but should we like dance in the middle or something like that? Should I like... We it's could, been yeah. way too long. It has been entirely too long. Thankfully, he was sending me nudes the entire time, so it, it helped me a great deal. It's our buddy Jeremy Kahn, the Big Bag Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com, and he is finally back with us here on GCR. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Yeah, if you don't chew Big Red, then F you. All right? <laughs> so I, I was just thinking about my, my OnlyFans that I have set up. Yeah. It's, it's done a different way. I keep sending you nudes until you pay me to stop. <laughs> right. So I think it's, that's a hell of an idea. That works. By the way, that's a hell of yeah. an idea. We got to think about that business model, my friend. We yeah, got to consider that. that. We got to consider. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of getting on yeah. top. Um, hey, dude. Uh, I know you were away last week, and and I know that uh, you know I, I saw your posts and how emotional you were. Um, you and I haven't talked since Thursday. I, I said, and I I don't try to be too bombastic when i say these things but that was as magical a day for me at the ballpark as i've ever had and like i was there for delman young i was there for a lot of things but i you know i i told you once upon a time that i thought it was over the top the way that people talked about the holding mo's hand and then i did it and i said bro i get it i understand and what i felt on thursday as that unfolded in the eighth inning i I, I don't know. I'm not a religious man, but Jesus Christ, dude, I felt something. I felt something that was divine. Uh, it is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. So let me walk you through my play-by-play because I couldn't get the – well, first off, just so people know that, you know, I I would have obviously – if it were a night game, I'd have cut my vacation short, but I probably would have had to cut it like three days short to come back uh, that, you know, that Thursday or that Wednesday night to make – thursday even possible but all that aside so i wasn't able to go we had planned our vacation before the news came out it was gonna be mo gabaday and i'm like son of a bitch man i I didn't want to miss it right um but all that aside like so i'm trying to follow on my phone i saw trey got a a hit in his first at bat and i'm like well maybe this is one of those homer days or four for four something special out of him and i literally went to watch my niece as people were you know getting back from the beach and so they could 
orchestrate some stuff and i left my phone in the room usually it's like on my hip and it, it, like i don't it's, it's attached to me so i as as they come back in to take my knees i go back and grab the phone and i'm like what the hell i missed 15 i had 15 text messages that i missed and then um and then um uh, my pd at the radio station chuck sapienza is like did you see this and i'm like what are you talking about right and then he he sent me the video and i went you have to be effing kidding me. And then as I started to learn more and more about it, like it was so overcast. That's why yep. Lo had the, um, the sunglasses on his hat. And, and like, you just think about all the little intricacies of it. The fact that the sun comes out at that exact moment, on top of that, the ball rolls just far enough for Trey to get an inside the park home run. Um, and I mean, there is a play at the plate, but he's safe, obviously. But it's just like all the little amazing things that happened. And the fact it was him, and arguably his last bat at bat as an Oriole in Camden Yards. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's just a lot of cool things about it, and I love what he said after the game. So I, let me add one more for you. I had mm-hmm. told, so I don't know if you talked to Sanzi or not, and I'm not trying to rat, like Sanzi was, was struggling in the heat. Like she was just not, it was a very hot day. And, and she had said goodbye a little bit beforehand, and I went down and I, you know, I saw Lynn and I saw, you know, we'd spent the day together and Damon and it was, it was a good crew. And I said, I think I'm ready to go too. And I had started walking out of the ballpark and we had been sitting in right center field. And for no reason at all, I stopped at the flag court. And again, (laughs) I'm not, I don't, I, I can't, I don't like saying divine intervention. I don't like saying anything like that, but I can't help but think about it, bro, because there is zero reason why I said to myself, Eh, I'm not going to walk out of the state. I mean, I had I was ready to go. I had I had said goodbye to everybody, and I was on my way out, and just happened to stop in the flag court. Just happened to right before it all unfolded, and I'm like, "All right, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what the message is, but I'm I'm listening. I'm hearing it. <laughs> Whatever it is, <laughs> holy crap, holy crap. Yeah, I'm and, I'm the same way as you. Is I'm not religious at all, um, and you know, there's, I'm not, I'm not all that spiritual either, to be honest. I just believe in treating people the way that you right. want to be treated. Right. You know, like just being a good human being. But that being said, um, yeah, I mean, those days give you those feels, man, where you're like, is there, is there something I'm missing out on? Is there something I should be paying a little bit more attention to? Because it just seems so odd. And one other thing I wanted to bring up, which I love that she does it. I've, I've watched Sanzi throw out a first pitch, I think three times. Yeah. Now. And and for people that don't realize it, she throws out the first pitch that way because that's how Mo Ex- threw it out when oh, he was in his wheelchair. I'm so glad you brought yeah. that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so special. You know, the other thing, too, that was really cool about the day, and the Orioles did a tremendous job, and they really made it a Mo Gab a day every inning. They were showing different videos, and I was told that on the broadcast they were doing the same thing. It's it's wonderful. But I think the best part about it, and I know how, how much you've been involved with Radiothon over the years and Johns Hopkins, the best part about it was that they took the time to book folks from Johns Hopkins to do interviews as well and to really yep. take the day to commit to, hey, we, we know Mo would want us to lift up these people. Yes, it's about specifically remembering Mo, and we want to do that. But we also, you know, a lot of people brought up, I know Damon brought up when we were chatting with him, um, how when you did the show with Mo, Mo started the show by trying to think about his other friend. Um, yeah. And that was what he concerned himself with. And the idea they said, hey, what Mo would want is if we use this platform to help somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. And that really hit me big time about how cool that was as this whole thing unfolded. 
How, so how was the crowd, in your opinion, um, as uh, far as an afternoon Thursday? Game it was probably a little bit bigger than I would have expected it to be. I mean, it was a, I mean, it was an unbearably hot day, man. I mean, it was just yeah. so miserably hot. Um, thank God, like it was not as sunny as it could have been because it was. I mean, it was like, I, it, boy, it was awful. It was wretchedly hot. Um, it was a good crowd. I'll tell you the bleacher sections where 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 Damon and, and Dean and everybody you know asked everybody to come sit were packed. In fact, we're so packed that um, you know people like like listeners were coming by and saying I had to go buy tickets in another section because these were totally <laughs> sold out. Um, yeah. So that was really effective and that was a really good thing. Um, you know, I. It, it was it was a wonderful day, and I appreciate the fact that the Orioles are very committed. and And you know the the neat thing too is I can tell how much it helps Sanzi because you know I'm sure you feel the same way when you see that date come up on your calendar, and you're like I don't I don't really want to think about the date, you know. Um, to provide that type of distraction on that date, I, I can I could sense, and and we talked about it like it it really means a lot to Sanzi to have a day to celebrate instead of to, you know, just just continuously be sad yeah and, it, and it's tough too because you know it is a, as i said facebook being a blessing and a curse with stuff like this where like you get reminded of you did this on that date or this like i got this the entire month of july i get to see all these these highs and these lows that i had yeah um with his passing and that was the actual date of his death was july 28th and, and you know when like for people that don't know about sanzi sanzi had she lost three babies you know yep uh she had she had two little girls that uh, twins that were uh, lost at birth. So, you know, it's like, it's an incredibly difficult thing to go through. And I try to stay in touch with her. We, we text all the time. We talk. Um, and then we try to get little get togethers with everybody. That's why I was so sad to miss this because I wanted to see everybody there, give her a big hug. Um, we, we shared a message that day, you know, I posted something on Facebook and it means a lot. She's like, I love you, man. Yeah. Um, for, for everything. And like, you know, I, it is, it's, it's such a weird feeling to be a part of something like this where, you know, I just had my, my old producer and one of my best friends was at my wedding. His son passed from leukemia. Uh, I just found out one of, one of my other really good friends' son has leukemia, and he's battling. Um, and it's just like to see somebody go through it until you experience it. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst things to watch somebody go through and then to go through yourself, even though, like, you know, I, I had a close relationship. Like, people talk about me. It's like, oh, you guys are better. Lynn Leach was his best yep, friend. Yeah, that's you know, yep. and and Mo and I had a different type of relationship. Where we were really close, but seeing all the stuff that Lynn posts, man, it's just mm-hmm. incredible. And and like to me, I've, I there were plenty of people that messaged me saying it's one of the best baseball game experiences they've had in such a long time. Uh, you know, disregarding a playoff game or something like that, meaning just a regular season game out and said they enjoyed themselves way more than they probably should have and. It left them leaving the ballpark feeling a different way than when they got there. I mean, goosebumps, bro. Go- goose. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it with you right now. That's that's is it my voice or is it well, a story? Yeah, I mean, that, but that does something else to me. That 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 okay. get, yeah, that does something. That's else. bigger than a goosebump. Oh, I love you, well, uh, Jeremy. I Con- saw your hot dog uh, speedo. Yeah, so I did. know that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Con, one zero five seven, the fan with us here on GCR. All right, so so it leads us to the inevitable, and I know you were back this week, and you'll be talking about it yeah. there. But you know, I, I I have maintained, Jeremy, I have not wavered on this. I just don't think you're getting enough, and I'm I, look. I think they're going to. That my expectation continues to be that by tomorrow night, Trey Mancini will not be an Oriole. But I'm not 
I'm not okay with it because I just think it's an easy opportunity to say this is not going to be make or break for us. Whatever you're going to get back will make no difference in whether or not this thing unfolds in order to be a World Series winner down the road. Why do it? It feels like doing it for the sake of doing it, and I'm not on board with that. Yeah, and I guess the, the easy response would be he wants to be in Baltimore. How bad do they want him? How much money does he want to be here? And is it viable for the team to go spend on him? Where um, I, I'm, I'm going to take the heart out of it because me personally and the fan in me as well does not want to see him go. Uh, I think I understand it from the baseball standpoint of having, you know, a, a, some outfielders that could be coming up, maybe some flexibility with the DH now that Rutschman's not going to be catching every day and he's up. Um, and understanding that we do have even more help on the way with the starting pitching staff and even position players. So you feel like you're in really good hands, and they have plenty of prospects if they did want to you know, try to get better this year, which I don't think they should. But on, the, on the, the case of Mancini, whether or not he should be traded, from a business standpoint, I think it makes total sense. But I just don't, I don't know that you get the value that I feel like he brings to the team um, and the type of player he is. Like He's a really solid player. He bad. Like he hit leadoff yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and you know you can bat him anywhere in the lineup, and he's shown you that he can play. Uh, whether you want to talk about in the outfield, he doesn't hurt you. He's not a great outfielder by any stretch. He could play first base, um, and I think he's the best first baseman they have. But they're clearly grooming Ryan Mountcastle for that. So I don't know that you get the value that you feel like you deserve for him. Um, but but again, I understand it. And even with the way Santander's playing, like people are talking about him now. Like, can you really trade this guy? Of course you can. Um, but yeah, personally, you know what's man, weird? For, for that that's the one that I've I've said all along. Like if I'm trading someone, that's the guy that I'm trading because I think he's a real asset, right? Like I think he's yeah. because of control, because he can he plays defensively, he's got an incredible arm. Like I think you could really get something for if you feel like the if the problem you're trying to solve is We've got Stowers coming up. We've got all the, you know, Rutschman's got to play when he's not catching. We've got to have him in the lineup. If that's the problem you're trying to solve, to me, trading Santander could really help you for a couple of years in the process, could really get you something, whereas Mancini comes off way more as just just doing it to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can. Because, you know, I, again, I don't know you get back the, the value that you want for a player like that. And, and some people might look at his numbers and I'm, He's just a solid guy that, you know, is a good clubhouse guy. I think he's a little bit more reserved than most. Um, but I don't know. As a fan, I just want to see him here. So that's where I'm at. I think Lopez gets traded uh, and maybe a couple other bullpen And by the way, I'm okay, like, I'm okay with Lopez. Like, that's the thing. I, I don't want him to yeah. gut the bullpen, but I, I would be okay with them trading Lopez because, again, it, he's a real asset and at a place mm-hmm. where you have depth. And I think most of us are kind of quietly saying – Hey, isn't Batista the better option for the ninth inning moving forward? Like, isn't he yeah. the guy that legitimately seems to be completely unhittable and is just this absurd? Like, isn't that the guy that should be in that role? So I, I wouldn't have a visceral reaction to them trading Lopez. Like, my reaction would be, hey, if if you can come away with a couple of real pieces in a Lopez deal, I get it. I'm 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 okay with that. I'm on board with that. I am measuring that like I have talked myself into over the last week I had a listener who reached out to me because I've said all along Jeremy like there I am not suggesting the Orioles should suddenly be the team that's going out and trying to acquire at the deadline and I had somebody reached out to me and said well why not 
why wouldn't they look for a Tariq Skubal type, someone who is under control for years to come and could fortify this for the rest of this year, but really would be the helpful piece that you'd want them to acquire at the end of this season for the next few years? And my answer back was, I don't have a reason why not. I don't. I, I, like, I get that we don't want to part ways with you know, uh, D.L. Hall or Grayson Rodriguez or Gunnar Henderson, but if there's a deal that can be done for a, a frontline pitcher with team control for, you know, a Pablo Lopez type for the next couple of years, and the centerpieces are Jordan Westberg and Kobe Mayo and Kyle Stowers, like, you know, I, I'm listening. I'm, I'd be surprised if they did it, but I think it would be a good decision to make that type of a move. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Gunner. Well, the three guys you listed first are, uh, to me, Gunner and, and Grayson Rodriguez would be untouchable right, for me right. moving forward. Um, DL Hall, like I, I think he's in that group too. But again, you know, depending on what you're getting back, you're not just you're not just giving away prospects or that nobody cares about or that are your seven, eight, nine guys in your top ten. Um, you're not just giving those guys away to get major league ready players. I mean, I, at least I don't think unless you're adding in some sort of you know, like a Westberg puts it over the hump or whatever. But, um, you know, it just makes you wonder, like, how many teams are going to be – like, we weren't considering the Red Sox to be sellers, and we weren't considering a lot of these teams to possibly be sellers. But a team like Cleveland would be interesting, where they're not interested in spending a ton of money, but they are clearly in the mix. And, and the one thing I would say to people about why the Orioles shouldn't be buyers unless, it's, um, unless it is getting a pitcher under control, and even then I'd still be guarded about it because Pablo Lopez would be the one guy that I really love in that group. I think Turk Scooble is, is another interesting name. Uh, Castillo, who already got moved, and then there was, what, Blake, Blake Snell and some other players' yeah. names were brought up. Ho- Jose Urquidy's name has come up, like, random. Like, Ken Rosenthal put this thing out there last week about Jose Urquidy and the Astros maybe be interesting Cedric Mullins, and I'm like, I, no. I, I don't know, dude. I'm kind of willing to, like, it, but not straight up, obviously. That wouldn't happen. But, like, a package of Urquidy and, like, legitimate prospects – I'm yeah, I mean, I, look, I could hear you on that. But of all the starters they have, Rakiti's the guy that I'm least interested in. Um, you know, like a Luis Garcia is a guy I'd be way more interested in than Rakiti, for me personally. But, um, but I, look, he's solid. Again, it, it's just a matter of what you're giving up. Like, for the Orioles, who are three games out of the wild card, and if you honestly, like, if you take a good look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, we don't have the starting pitching in a short series or even a seven-game set to compete with any of the teams that are going to make the playoffs. None of them. You don't like – Seattle just added Luis Castillo to go along with Kirby and Robbie Ray. Um, we already talked about Houston. Look at New York. Right. Look at Toronto. Right. Toronto's got three guys that you could consider number ones or at least close to it. We don't even have a number one. And Tyler Wells has been their best pitcher, um, but he was going to be shut down. And then now this, this uh, lat strain or um, oblique strain, it's going to put him out for, you know, God knows how long, but – uh, that could be a blessing in disguise. So I just I don't know that it ultimately makes sense. I just think it's kind of a cool story. You ride it out and let the chips fall where they may, unless you're trading people away. I am, I am, I'm kind. Oh boy, I, this is what makes the next 24 hours so interesting to me, dude. Like I am really all over the place, and I'm creating a scenario where I feel like you could both use your own pieces to help you for the next couple years, and use assets like Lopez that you have to try to replenish whatever prospects you're losing to make like and there's this weird world where I'm trying to make like a full circle thing happen here. Where like you're 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 using an area of strength, your bullpen, to try to help you 
in another area that you're not as strong, like your rotation, mm-hmm. and it's sort of cyclical. You come out of it, you didn't go all in, like you didn't give up anything in order to build for now. You made moves to try to fortify yourself for now and for the future. I'm like, I think you could do that. I think it's possible. Again, I don't think it's what they're going to do. I think they're going to largely end up being quiet, to your point. I think they're going to deal Mancini. I I think they're going to deal Lopez. Like I think they're going to deal both those guys. Um, but I could see a scenario by which you really use this week as an opportunity to think about the next three years and and change things a little bit while not just giving up on your hopes of being compelling for the rest of this season. Because I do agree, like you're not winning. This is not a prospect versus parade situation. There will not be a parade in Baltimore this year. That's not going to happen. But what it would mean to be playing meaningful baseball even into mid-September in Baltimore, it, there, I think there is inherent value in that, in, in making this city fall in love with the Orioles again after five difficult years. I get it's not tangible. It doesn't come with a pennant or a parade, but I do think that that matters. I think there is a value there that can't necessarily be measured. Yeah, and I get that from that standpoint, but we just went through a whole rebuild of, you know, the, the whole point is resetting this, and, and I don't I don't know. I just don't want to throw anything away just for the sake of making what I would deem somewhat of a Hail Mary to, to try to see what happens this year and how far they can go because I feel like if we wait this out one more year that we're a team that's perennial, perennially, I can't even say it, perennially being in the playoffs, uh, or we will be a perennial playoff right. team. It's so much easier to say. Right. Who adds LYs to yeah, And What is that? What is that? <laughs> so anyway, anyway um, but no, like in all seriousness, like it, it's a matter of being there every single year. And, and not to say if you, if you made a move for now um, that you couldn't get back to, you know, in the playoffs or being there next year. But the one thing I'll say, and, and I'll end it with this, with, with the trade talk, no matter what they do, I, I don't know if this front office has proved for you enough. I trust them. So, I, um, I I have reason to believe they know what they're doing. The one thing I keep saying is what I don't know and where I can't give them yet is I don't know that they know how to win. Like, I just don't know. And I'm not okay. saying I have reason to think they don't. You know what I mean? Like, it's not my point. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I still think there's a big jump between doing the things that they've done and then proving they can put together a team that can go try to win something of significance. I think there's still an in-between there. And that's the thing that I'm going to need to see in the next couple of years. I, I can't just work under the assumption that I know they know how to take the next step. Um, because, you know, in Houston, it was go get Justin Verlander. And I don't know that the Orioles are going to give Mike Elias and company the latitude to do something like that. So that that's the part, right? Like, that's the last mm-hmm. part of this that I'm still like, did, I think they've done a lot of good things. Do I know that they know how to win a World Series? I don't. I I I hope, and I I'm not telling you. Would you feel good next year with like uh, so? John Means, let's say DL Hall gets a chance to be in the rotation. Grayson Rodriguez, then your 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 John Means back, uh, and then what? Is it a Tyler Wells? Is it right. someone else that fills out that void? Do they go out and make a bigger splash? I I, I mean, there's. I've said all along. I think they have to acquire a a pitcher, a real not a Jordan Lyles, a real pitcher yeah. for next year. Because the the what you just listed there, there are so many. The, the, it could all work out. John Means could come back and be John Means again. Grayson Rodriguez could come out of this thing and just be overwhelming. And DL Hall, 
you know, two weeks ago, we thought he was on track to being unhittable. Now, of course, the last time out, he was miserable. Um, but it looked like yeah. he, once he figured out he was tipping pitches, he had fixed it, and he looked like the, all of those things could work out. But I can't bank everything on all of those things working out. I've got to find another legitimate pitcher to add into the mix moving forward. I if if Agreed. if the priority is taking a next step. If the priority is we want to be in the mix to get into the playoffs next year, that's the next step in the process. I need one more pitcher in order to do that. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. Like the fact that you have young arms that are coming up, and who knows if any of them transition to the bullpen too. Because right. like it's funny when you look at some of the best bullpens in baseball, including the Orioles, you're, you're seeing a lot of groups of failed starters yep. and DFA guys. Yep. I mean, it's it really is incredible to look at well, some of the success rate we've I, seen. I, I know our Stan the Fan is one of the people who like really looks at D.L. Hall and says, dude, that's a great bullpen arm is what that is. Like He's an almost unhittable bullpen guy. I don't know if he's a long-term high-level starter in Major League Baseball. And like the Orioles aren't going to do that. They're not just going to say, well, hey, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to make it. That's not going to work out that way. But, you know, that's the, the people that are thought of as being incredible arms. There's always someone who says, yep, there'll be an incredible arm in the bullpen. That's what it'll be. And we're like, well, yeah. whoa, we got way higher hopes for that dude here. Okay. It might not work out that way. Just might be the way that it goes. Um, all right. So go give me give me something because, again, it's been so long. What have you been watching? What have you been into away from sports? Give me something that, like, my mind should be on. I have not been able to, like, watch the new episodes of uh, Better Call Saul yet. I got to get on that. I finished Stranger Things. I finished The Boys. Um, I, I'm still trying with only murders in the building. It's such a slog for me though. Like I, is it? I think I haven't it, got into that. I think it's a good show. I just think it's such a plotting. You have to be patient type of show, and I don't. I don't have. It's not so good that it's like proving to be worth my patience in it. I think it's interesting well, one, more than it's great. Yeah, I don't know that my like. There's nothing as far as show wise right now that I'm did you watch I'm the watching, did you watch right? the bear by chance yes loved it okay I have not gotten to the bear yet that's next on my list so the bear and old man on Hulu or on F Hulu if you're from Baltimore yes um, or FX uh, those are two I think those are two really good ones to watch had someone tell me that the Chris Pratt Amazon oh, the show, terminalist I tried watching it. what is it the terminalist is that the one yes yeah I think that's it um that that's a really good show. I tried, like, I watched the first half an hour, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I just wasn't feeling it, but I'm going to give it another shot. Um, the uh, I, I think I told you that I was telling someone else, I just had my wife watch it last night. Everywhere, every, everything, oh, everywhere. God, I, gotta watch. I have to watch that. I have to watch is, that. My wife even liked it, which I didn't think she would because it's, I mean, it's a little strange, but it's really, really well done. Okay. All well, right. All right. I'll prioritize that. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, it'll be all of us up until Wednesday, and then Rob goes on vacation. But you know what it's going to be all week long. It's yep. trade deadline, Lamar Jackson contract, football season's around the corner. Obviously, there's the Sean Watson stuff, which you were talking about before I jumped on. And, uh, you know, it's just it, all of that. There's so much. And we had Bill Russell pass away last, you know, yesterday. And uh, so there's just a lot to talk about. And um, after missing a week of sports talk, like I, I'm so excited to come to work and just dive into everything. I got to tell you, this is like the first day in a week that I've gone the entire show without having like any sort of Lamar Jackson nonsense conversation. And I got to tell you, it's far more pleasant. It's far more yeah. pleasant than all of the silliness. 
At Jeremy Conner. I just hope they release it and he signed and we're, oh, we're done God, with that. Oh, God, what wonderful news that would be. What wonderful news it would be for us to just not have to deal with that any longer. At Jeremy <laughs> Conn, 1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. It's... All right, guys. See you. Jeremy Conn with us here on GCR. All right. Um, we will be looking ahead to football season, and I think football season might involve a little bit more of perhaps some time in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And we're working on that, and I know we were doing a lot of events there, and we kind of tabled that for a little bit, but I think there's going to be more coming um, in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the best place to watch and bet on every sporting event, big or small, whether it's a huge event like UFC 277 on Saturday night or just the place to go and watch the daily baseball slate and bet on all of the games. And again, football season, there's nowhere you're going to want to be more. And I keep warning you to think about this. You and your buddies might have like a regular place that you go to hang out and watch Monday night games or watch Thursday night games or watch the Ravens games. But what I know is it's probably not a place where you can bet on all of the games and win money, 61 self-service kiosks, and now coming individual pads for you to bet with at your table. You don't have to get up. And I know we were all hoping that mobile betting would be here in time for football season, but you guys, football season is a month away. It's not happening. Now, it might happen maybe at some point during football season. Maybe. Maybe. It's going to be a while still. Barring, and I want to be careful about that, barring something unforeseen, some sort of Hail Mary that occurs. So make your plans to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel to watch and bet on all the football games. And and just reach out. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now and say, hey, look, um, we got a group of like five or six of us. We always hang out and watch the games. Like, would you have a spot for us? Table? You know, what kind of deals could we do? They'll talk to you. They'll work with you because they want to have regulars like they're they're gonna have massive crowds no matter what let me make that abundantly clear they're gonna be huge crowds so that's the other thing too if you're thinking about you might like to do that definitely plan ahead because if you try to show up for like the first thursday night game of the year by the way i think there's gonna be a massive crowd for the crap hall of fame game this coming thursday night that was it the jaguars and the raiders is that what it is i believe that's what it is i know it's the jaguars i think it's the raiders no one could possibly care. And I still think it's going to be a mob scene in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino. Is that? Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's Jags right here. I mean, it's Tony Baselli. He's going to the Hall of Fame, so that's the Jaguar. Okay. He's the first ever Jaguar to go in. So I kind of get that. I don't remember who the Raider would be, like why it would be the Raiders. I don't know. I guess because they got Devontae who, who else is going? Well, I mean, I get you know that does make them interesting. See him for a play. Who else is going into the Hall of Fame? Like, this was such a weird Hall of Fame class. It was like... No exciting first-year players that were like slam-dunk guys. Uh, Richard Seymour is in this year's class. God, who the, uh, Sam Mills is in this year's class. Oh, Cliff, Cliff Branch. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not trying to disparage anyone. I mean, like, deserving Hall of Famers for sure. Like, Tony Baselli is an incredibly deserving Hall of Famer. But, yes, Cliff Branch would, would – like, you would say that's the reason why the Raiders are involved, but, like, sadly, Cliff Branch has passed away. I'm not – I'm not sure if there was going to be a huge push of Raiders fans to be in the Hall of Fame this weekend for Cliff Branch. I I don't know. I don't know. 
Anyway, look. I think it's going to be a huge crowd for a stupid exhibition football game. So if you want to have a spot, email events at sportssocialmd.com. Maybe you can tell uh, John in Little Rock, too. He's got, a, he's got an easy money bet. He says over five and a half wins for Maryland Terrapins football. Oh, you know what? He did tell me that. He's, he's feeling that. I, I like it. Like, if I had to bet it one way or the other, I would bet the over on that. But I get it. It does require Leah staying healthy. And that's a tough thing, right? Like, I don't know if you've heard, Maryland doesn't have a great track record of keeping their quarterbacks healthy. No. So that's the tough part about that bet is I, I like it, but I only like it with a healthy Talia Tungavailoa for the entire season. And that's a scary proposition when you're talking about Maryland football, man. That's a scary proposition. All right, we'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit too. We'll wrap it up for the day. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce. And try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Hey, O's fans, get to Oriole Park early on Friday, August 5th at 7.05 when the first 20,000 fans 15 and over will receive a Cedric Mullins 30-30 Club bobblehead presented by Masson. Celebrate Cedric Mullins' historic 2021 season when he became the first player in Orioles history to join the 30-30 Club with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Tickets start as low as $15. What better way to cheer on the Silver Slugger than at the ballpark that forever changed baseball? Buy tickets at Orioles.com slash tickets. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. 
brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, a couple of notes here. One, uh, we talked a lot about the trade deadline, but there's another deadline today. There's a 5 o'clock deadline today for teams to sign their draft picks. And we've heard that a few of the Orioles' later round draft picks are going to go back to school. Um, And that was always a risk, like, hey, could you get somebody to sign and not go back to school? Um, A few of the guys, uh, Carter Young, Alden Mathis, Andrew Walters, they're all going to go back to school. Not all that heartbreaking. I mean, these were late round draft picks. These were guys you were taking on a flyer on in in hopes that you could maybe throw a little bit of money at them to get them to sign. The one that's a little alarming as we get to today's deadline is the Orioles' third round pick, Nolan McClain, who was, remember, the, the, the pitcher but also a third baseman and was very enticing and interesting as a prospect was concerned, and he is still not signed. Now, the Orioles have the ability to not only use the rest of their pool, but they are, like there's a certain amount you're allowed to go past your slot, your pool money um, without incurring a penalty. So there is a good amount of money. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like $2 million. It's like $1.2 million left in the pool, and then I think you can go 5% beyond that, beyond what your pool was. So I think it's in the neighborhood of $2 million bucks, and clearly he's going to be the guy. Um, so... You know, with there being a deadline today, like Jim Callis said, he expects that the Orioles will end up signing Nolan McLean. But that is something to watch. That's their third-round pick. That's somebody that they clearly were high on. Um, will they get Nolan McLean signed by 5 o'clock today, as there is a deadline today that is relevant? I think we've covered all of the things that need to be covered today. I think we're good. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour. Ironically, of course, you heard Tim Kirkshen on with us earlier today. This was not planned. We just both had the same thought. But Tim Kirkshen is going to be with uh, Ross and Stan tonight. And that's that's fun because I think they're going to have a much different conversation um, with Tim. It was funny because I could sense that Tim was like ready to, I don't need to talk about me anymore. Like, I'm good. Remember, like, at the beginning of the conversation, he was like, and that's about enough of that. And I was like, well, hey, dude, we really did want to honor you. Like, you got a weekend in Cooperstown. That's a big deal. Um, well, I, I don't know, but I, it's definitely going to be a fun conversation. Ross, of course, has known Tim for a long time. Stan's known Tim for a long time. So that'll be a fun conversation tonight. Stan, Ross, and Tim Kirkshen tonight. Facebook Live. Facebook.com slash Sports. If you miss it live, you can see it tomorrow. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Tidbit. Okay, so I uh, I wasn't sure. I was thinking about doing like a Bill Russell one. Mm, we didn't him. really talk about Bill yeah, Russell today. And and to be fair, it's not like I didn't want to. Just some other things going mm-hmm. on. I spent some time. Busy on, day. Spent, we had a busy radio show yesterday yeah. too. Despite the fact that Rita wasn't there. The um, uh, uh, boy, my word, Maxwell Costas. That was. I I was moved, and I, if I thought I was moved, um, we had a listener who reached out that was like moved to tears really? by Maxwell Costas um, and who I'm going to be in touch with because I want to talk to him. Um, that was incredible. Um, and we met Slade Bolden, the uh, undrafted Ravens oh, really? receiver, oh, okay. um, had a fun chat with him. And he's a guy that's looked pretty good so far. And there does seem to be room for an undrafted guy, maybe two, to make this roster at the wide receiver position if they don't add anybody else. And, there, it doesn't look like they're going to be trading for anybody because all the guys we were dreaming of 
all of them are now have deals. Will Fuller. Yeah, they could sign Will Fuller, yes. But yeah. the, trade, oh, the trade, remember well, how yeah, it, yeah. Like it, DK, we kept PK saying DK, McLaurin, Debo. Like we kept throwing out all these names of like guys that didn't have deals. And like maybe the Ravens could trade for him and they all got deals. Right, now. okay. They all got saying. the deals done for big, big money. All right, so yeah, so, big Slay Bolden here. It could be. It could be. I, there have been other guys that like people have pointed out, like Jalen Jalen Moore, who's not a rookie. I don't know his like whole story, but Jalen Moore apparently has looked good for the first week of camp. And Zebriak said, uh, Shamar Bridges, Shamar Bridges, Fort Valley has, State has gotten a shout out from a couple of people. I, I don't you know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, go ahead. Okay, uh, but so, we talked a lot about Bill Russell. Bill Russell, I mean, what an unbelievable! My God. Yeah. For as much as we talk about Jordan and LeBron and, and Kobe and all those guys, the man won eleven NBA titles. Oh, and by the way, he also happened to be the head coach for two of them. Holy f! Holy f! What a career for Bill Russell, who of course went on to be an activist, a humanitarian, I mean, just an unbelievable life. And just seeing him, all the videos going around Oh, just so funny, right? And giving Charles yeah. Barkley the middle finger and, you know. The, Vince just, Carter, he did it the Vince Carter. No thing. doubt. Very, very funny. Um, so I think I'm going to save that one for tomorrow unless something else comes up and I think something better. We'll see. Um, but today I want to go with the Orioles, who are entering August at 500 for the first time since 2016. When they were 50, 59 and 45. Okay. And they're going into a game facing uh, the Rangers, of course. Just like tonight. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Rangers were good that year. They were 62 and 44, I think, at the time of the game. And uh, the or- so. And I like doing these. I love doing these like old lineups. So that's what I want to oh, go God. with. All right. What, go the with, date uh, was the August 1st. It was August 2nd, 2016. August, August 2nd, 2016. Yes. Um, do I have to guess who was on the mound? I'll say, uh, who, I'll say Ubaldo. Yeah, let's do it. Ubaldo. Let's do it. Not Ubaldo. Tillman. Not Tillman. Uh, those are my top two choices. Um, oh God! Now I got to remember who is still. All right, let me let me go a different route. Uh, Adam Jones. There you go, leadoff hitter that day. Adam Jones. Manny Machado. Manny Machado batting third. Uh, how about Hyunsoo Kim? There you go, batting second. Hyunsoo Kim, one for two. Um, Weeders. Uh, yes, yep, batting seventh. Solo home run. Chris Davis. Chris Davis. Yes, he did. Had an RBI. One for four. Batting fourth. J.J. Hardy. J.J. Hardy batting ninth. Yes. Uh, missing three. I'm missing three. I'm missing... What am I missing? Oh, Jonathan Scope. There you go. Yep. Jonathan Scope. Playing second base. Batting eighth. I'm missing a short... No, I got a short stuck because I got Hardy. So I got... I'm missing... Uh... uh Trumbo? There, yeah, right fielder. Kay. Mark Trumbo batting fifth. 0 for 3 that day. And got replaced by Nolan Reimold later on. Oh, God. And then and a, a designated DH? Yeah. Hit two home runs in this game. Pierce? Nope. When did Pierce leave? I don't remember. <laughs> so, I mean, the. the uh, I'm going to guess it wasn't Flaherty. It was not Ryan Flaherty. Let's see. He was bad. He was was bad. it Trey? Was Trey up by that point? No, it was not Trey. I think Trey was 2017. Well, I know he was there in 20. I thought he came up in 2016, though. Did he? I think he did. I'll look that I'm up pretty up. sure he came up in 2016. Um, I don't know. Batting sixth. Hit two know. home runs. Uh, Pedro Alvarez. There you go. Yeah, okay. Nice pull. Pedro right. Alvarez. I don't remember. This is the thing. I was going to go through that list of Pedro Alvarez, Wilson Betamit. Like, there was such <laughs> a list of... 
All right. He hit he hit two solo homers on the Orioles' way to a five to one victory over the Rangers the behind a strong was. start. A one seven innings of one hit ball. Bundy? Dylan Bundy. Okay. Yes, yes he did. Okay. And then Darren O'Day came in for the save. How about that? Yeah. I did I did pretty well with that, yeah. actually, all things being equal. I did okay. And I uh, guess who was in the lineup for the Rangers playing second base? In the lineup for the Rangers playing second base. Oh, Rugnet Odor. Rugnet Odor. Yeah, yeah. Of course he was. Of course he was. <laughs> all right, good stuff. That was a good one. I like that. All right, here's what's coming up totally tubular wise, totally tubular wise, brought to you by Simply the Bets, which returns tomorrow, every Tuesday at eleven forty. We will, I promise, bring back weekend at bookies this week, every other Thursday at eleven forty, but simply the bets every Tuesday, eleven forty, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Orioles Rangers, eight o'clock on Masson two, Spencer Watkins and John Gray. Masson for Mets Nationals at seven, MLB Network Dodgers Giants at eleven, ESPN Red Sox Astros at eight. Tennis channel, the um the city open gets underway down in DC. And Venus Williams is playing tonight. This is very difficult for me because I am supposed to be in an event that Mike Loxley is doing tonight, and I would rather be watching Venus Williams. Is that yes. close enough? Maybe you can... Yeah, it be real tough. Andy Murray plays in the afternoon, too. Like, I literally, I could go down and do a double dip of Andy Murray and Venus Williams. I'll go to the Loxley thing. You know what? <laughs> Might be the way that I I would rather I would rather that be. Like, Stan's going, Luke's going, so like I feel like... Mm. But I... It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, USA Tonight for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8 o'clock. Non-sports. Non-sports. Uh, let's see. So after uh, the WWE, they got the new show on USA called Snake in the Grass. That series is premiering. Sure. Uh, it looks, I don't if know. If you say so. Kinda, it's the, the, the way it's, they got a Survivor. I think Malcolm from Survivor is on this one. They ah. got like a bunch of random people. An Olympian, an MMA hero. I couldn't find who the people were. An adrenaline junkie. <laughs> They're going to compete. They got to sure. figure out who is lying, basically. They're going to be in challenges, figure out okay. one of them is who's, sabotaging who's the, the thing. snake. Yeah, who's the snake okay. in the grass? They have 36 hours. They're like thrown on an island. Well, that sounds terrible, but yeah, okay. Not. Uh, sure. I'm sorry. It's just not for me. It's just not for uh, me. And also, but I got good news for you because I know if you missed any of those new Shark Week episodes uh, that from last week, Animal Planet's doing a rewind today. So there you can see all the new Shark Week stuff on Animal Planet today. Okay. And then Better Call Saul, of course, uh, Bachelorette. And American Ninja Warrior semifinals continue tonight. All right. Very good. NBC. Yeah. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Nick Wilson. Thanks to Tim Kirkshen and Casey Stern. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program, we will talk more trade deadline. Chelsea Janes from the Washington Post, their national baseball writer, will join us. Um, Femi Imadejo is going to join us tomorrow. Yes, he will. Um, we're going to talk to him. He has been removed from Ravens broadcasts, and we're just going to talk about it. That's that's what we're going to do. I got questions. He'll give us whatever answers he wants to give us. I'm not trying to cause problems, but I'm going to let Femi say whatever he wants to say about it. I love Femi. It's one of my favorite people. Um, you know, we used to come on with us all the time. The, he was told he couldn't do anything on a non-flagship station, so we haven't talked to him in a while, but... He's not doing that any longer. So, and we'll talk some Ravens with him. I mean, we will. We'll just get into his thoughts. And uh, Mike Devereaux is going to join us tomorrow, who, as you all know, was my absolute favorite Oriole growing up. Uh, he was announced that he's going to be back this week. So, this week is the uh, 30th anniversary celebration. So, we'll try to put a couple of those guys on this week ahead of that. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Casas Inn, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel, All-America Lacrosse. I know it was a great game on Saturday night. The Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Uh, go, Birds. 
Yes. Go Venus Williams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. 